Podcast listeners, this is episode, I think, uh, 14. 14, I believe, and we have a very special guest here in the flesh. Uh, his name is Daryl Flores, and we are basically... One of our friends from the gym. Yeah, very high-level martial artist and human being, and we are going to spend some time getting to know him, hearing his take on some things... And without further ado, Daryl, if you want to introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? Uh, Yeah, like you said, my name's Daryl. I've been fighting for, shoot, my entire life. (laughs) Wrestling, judo, martial arts, everything, boxing. Yeah, yeah, so. Uh, So did you grow up here in, around Boise area? So, um. I'm actually from San Antonio. Um, oh, you are? I was born in San in Texas? Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, and okay. uh, um, I lived in Pearsall for a majority of my life uh, as a younger kid. Um, and my mom and my biological father got divorced because my biological father was a piece of crap. He was abusive. Um, watched him beat my mom, hospitalized my mom and Jesus. stuff, and um, held the gun to her head when Jesus. I was about six or seven years old. Oh, and, my God. That was kind of like one of the last straws and yeah. moved up here. Good, my for, mom. good for her. That's not easy to do. There's a really powerful, um, you know, it's difficult for women to get away. One of the one of the strongest women I've ever met in my entire life. Mm. And then just such a, a powerful person. Um, actually, uh, my mom was a prison guard, female prison guard. Before, yeah, Shit, in Texas. Yeah. That is a wild job. And They're like life expectancy is like 55 years old. Dude. It was, it was crazy. So, so my, my uncle down there is a, uh, is a sheriff deputy and an EMT. And he's like a, like a, um, like a volunteer firefighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom kind of, my grandmother worked for the Frio County Sheriff's Department and their, uh, uh, local, um, courthouse. Mm-hmm. So she did a lot of the booking and stuff for the local courthouse. And then my mom, um, after she divorced my dad, um, started working for the prison and then met my stepfather, uh, who was in prison at the time for attempted murder. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mom, my mom ended up falling in love with my dad yeah. and, um, moved our entire lives, like literally uprooted us yeah. like without even a whole lot of notice mm-hmm. and ended up moving to uh, Caldwell, Idaho with right. this new my guy. stepfather's family right. two years prior to him being released from prison. So, yeah. Oh, so did super his family crazy. live in Yeah, they're, they're from here, okay. like Parma, Caldwell okay. area. Gotcha. Crazy. Was, so, do was, you, sorry, go, go for it. Do you have any like siblings? So I have uh, an older brother, um, a younger sister, and a younger brother. So I'm like... Okay. Did they all come up here then? Yeah, we all we all moved up yeah. here. We're all relatively young. Um, was your biological dad ever physically abusive to you, or was it always directed at your mother? So so me and my older brother got a huge blunt of his anger. Mm-hmm. Um, Just pretty and, classic, uh, too. That's pretty he, common. He was, like, super in love with my, with my sister, so she mm-hmm. never got... Right. you know hit or abused and my youngest brother was a baby at the time so he you know right. that was 
naturally. But like a lot of times, um, you know, when my dad would come home super drunk and yeah. pissed off, me and my brother were like the first to get yeah. smacked around. God, um, he actually put a, most of the scars on my face Jeez. and my head. Um, Even through all the fighting years. From the fighting, I, I got one scar from fighting from yeah. stitches. Yeah. Uh, one of the dopest nights of my life, I think. The, actually, um, during my honeymoon with my wife, uh, we trained, we went to Denver, Colorado, uh-huh. got married in Arvada, and then like five days later I fought. <laughs> nice. <laughs> really? One of the biggest stages of my life. Nice, that's really cool. Uh, so who, who introduced you to martial arts? Was it your biological father, your stepfather, your mother? Like where did you get that influence as, as a young person? So my, my biological father is like a like a sixth or seventh degree black belt in Ruku Kempo Karate. Okay, which is um, the true, like they strike muscle. It's like real karate. Like yeah, they, they, yeah. they, yeah, they, they do. They leg kick and shit. They right? do the... Uh, the, like the iron body type stuff where yeah. you smack each other's arms together yeah. and yeah. use kendo sticks to strengthen yeah. the back of the legs. Kind of like the, Muay Thai the, with the, yeah. the bone remodeling. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It was uh, it was tough. That's what Chuck Liddell sure. did. If people don't, are fans at home, Chuck Liddell is a Kempo Karate black belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, um, he's actually who got me into mixed martial arts, Chuck Liddell. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. it was <laughs> kind of an interesting situation. Um, but yeah, growing up, we... Uh, my brother and myself were like huge into karate and um i didn't really like karate because i my dad abused me enough when i was right. at home right. so I, kind of turned you off of it yeah absolutely and i you know being a young kid i wanted to do something softer but i didn't want to not be in martial arts so we mm-hmm. chose judo for me which is where a lot of my yeah. power and my my hip dexterity and yeah. my my flexibility and my so explain i was texting a buddy who's not who, who watches mma but he's not a martial artist himself and i was like fucking dude i was telling him judo beats my collegiate level wrestling really good judo beats my wrestling and he's like i don't really know what judo is and i'm like i don't really either i mean i kind of do but not really so give a brief like quick synopsis of like kind of the rule set or what what is the point of judo so why is um, it different from wrestling so judo judo was created in japan um and it was created by by farmers fending off like militant forces to their lands Mm -hmm. and um it kind of developed into um like what the samurai used for in close combat so samurai uh like war fighters would be fighting you know like as far as like artillery, artillery goes, they'd be fighting with you know arrows and whatnot. Right. And if it came closer combat, they would fight with swords. Right. Um, and if the opponent got past the like sword. what would be their their smaller dagger, right? Um, they would use hand to hand judo yeah. um, fighting mm-hmm. techniques in order to um, get an upper hand on their to opponents, the ground, which, and you could which is what made samurai warriors so scary. Yeah. That like one thing you're standing everything. up and you're getting, you know, punched and hit and stabbed at. And then the next thing you know, you're on your back and your throat's cut. And you're, <laughs> yes. You have a, you know, a, like 19 yeah. inch blade through your body. It's <laughs> right. scary. And none of those traditional, I mean, traditional, what we hear, Kung Fu, even karate, they don't have an answer for the ground. There is no answer for the ground. They just, it's all on the feet. No one had really thought about what do you do off your back? But judo kind of addresses that. The first kind of moment we see that, oh. Like, so a lot of throw. So most, what are they, is it a lot of throws, like trips and stuff like that? So, so it's, um, it's basically taking somebody and hitting them with the earth. 
So it's the way that a lot of judo guys like to explain it. Some um, earthbending shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so the split off between Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is the more ground tactical fighting style of judo, yeah. and judo um, came from, you know, the grandfather of all Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Hilo Gracie. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, he moved to Brazil from Japan and started developing the more ground type Mm-hmm. Fighting, um, I I can't remember right now. I'm gonna sound dumb if it's wrong, but I believe it's called Nawaza. Yeah, like your Nawaza. He, he's yeah, right. Yeah. Right. The the, <laughs> na- the Nawaza part yeah. of judo. Yeah. Um. So and he developed, you know, that ground stuff, which yeah. you know turned into uh, Brazilian style jujitsu. Right. So in judo, when you throw someone to the ground and you try to score your submission, that is your jujitsu, right, on the ground. Right. That's, yeah, it's judo, and then when you go to the ground, it's jiu-jitsu. They yeah. used to be the same art form, all compacted into one with just a lesser developed ground game. We right. put 100 years into that, and we get to where we are today with, with jiu-jitsu. Yeah, the kids I nannied in Spain, would they practiced judo. Um, and I would go and watch their practices, and it seemed like maybe they would do arm bars sometimes. Like they would yeah, throw so in like an arm lock or that's something. That's what I don't understand is how do the submissions uh, factor into judo? If I'm in a judo competition tomorrow... What's can I choke? Can I rear naked choke somebody? Or? So so you can you can sub people in judo. Um, so um, your main goal is to epone, yeah. which is like a perfect throw, like straight to your back. You can't. There's yeah. no like a five point throw in. Yeah, in at, that's exactly what I would um, compare it to. It's yeah. like a five point throw, just like a yeah. beautiful throw, flat to your back. You, you like you're you're yeah. pinned basically yeah. in like a freestyle <laughs> match. Um, if you don't hit like a like a perfect throw or an epone, um, then you go to like your your pinning. I, I believe it's like a certain amount of seconds before you you technically you pin somebody. They can't move. There's no you know getting out of it. And then you can always end a match with a submission. Okay. So a lot of judo submissions end in arm bars because you're throwing from the upper body. And so like my there. my um, seonage. Um, I, I'll hit a seonage, like a, a double knee drop seonage, where I turn my back. It's like an arm throw or a Japanese arm throw, it's been called before. Yeah, in wrestling, that's what I mean. Right. I was really good at that because yeah. of my judo, but um, <laughs> they would land on their back and you still have their arm in mm-hmm. a really good position right, for an arm bar. Right. You, you know, Pinch you, your knees and go. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, those are super scary. That's why Ronda Rousey was so good yeah. at oh, arm bars. Yeah, she's a judo Olympic level. Yeah, oh, really? bronze medalist. Yeah. yeah. And, and a world a champion. Gold. Her mom's a gold medalist. Yeah, her mom, Dang. her mom, and a lot of her family so members are, are people Americans that to do it. they grew up together with are just incredible yeah. judo because just like incredible Olympians too. So my uh, one of my BJJ coaches when I was training up in Moscow, he is a two times bronze medalist Olympic judo practitioner. Practitioner. Jesus. And. Um, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black, black belt, belt and gym owner. He's just—I love him so much. I probably talked That's about nicest him man you've ever met. Um, but sometimes we would have judo days, and they were so hard. Like it was—I felt like everyone in the class understood what we were doing, maybe because they had been doing it for longer with him. But I sucked at them, and yeah, I was always scared same. too. Like with the first few times, I made him get like a soft mat out for me for like falling because I didn't really know how to fall yet. Because yeah. you it's, guys kind of go hard, like slam on onto the ground kind of hard, right? Well, well, the 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 main reason why I think a lot of gyms seem like they just throw balls at mm-hmm. the wall 
is because we fall right. Yeah. Right. It's because we make sure, yeah, yeah, we make sure we dis- we disperse that energy that that connects us to the ground. Mm-hmm. We disperse it in such right. a like a particular like manner that mm-hmm. we we're not injuring our shoulders mm-hmm. or necks or backs. Yeah. It's kind of sequential. I got a lot I feel better like. at it's, that. It's a, it's very sequential falling. It's kind of like okay, my shoulder hit. Now I need to feel how is my elbow going to hit? How's my hand? That happens in a split second. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's really scary. That's why it's more dangerous getting thrown by like a new like yes, beginner yeah. type mm-hmm. uh, you know judo practitioner yeah. than somebody who's just just a monster like and, six foot ten right. just and you're really good at that you i felt the times that you've thrown me you've protected me really really well which i always appreciate so much as a part of a great training partner as someone who if they do get that upper hand moment you know whether it's a leg lock an arm bar a choke i don't care is taking that little second it's not in competition these are your training partners you're, you need them to get better and kind of you know using it to that moment to check on check in on your partner is this going to be injurious for this person right. are they safe you know so so uh one of the things that i i use is like a mental like like almost like a like a tricky type deals like everybody's so used to when they're in the air they're gonna get just destroyed so they think they focus on that and Mm -hmm. so like in a lot of my fights or like my 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 jujitsu or judo tournaments i don't i don't make them land very hard Mm. because then they're thinking about the landing the landing and i'm thinking about the the submission or the pass yep yep yep. and so i so i i've I've done that like my entire life yeah um in wrestling i get a mean double leg and instead of flaring the legs, I'll like slowly put them on the mat yeah. and they're like, you know, wiggling right. around and then I'm sinking a half before they're right. even on the mat. Yeah. And then they can't move and then I pin them. So that was a real quick question I had just backtracking. So in judo, let's say I throw someone, they don't land perfectly on their back, but then I sink a half and put them on their back. Is that still Epon? Yeah, that's not Epon. That you're basically um, taking the seconds, the, the amount of seconds where they can't move to like pin them. And win the but match. So. Is the match still over though? Um, so you have different rounds um, are like mini matches, basically. Oh, okay. So you'll okay. win that that match, I that see. round. And there's like three of them, or whatever. Yeah, okay. yeah, three rounds. Okay, I see. Gotcha. So when did you start training judo? What? How? What I I just learned how to walk, and I basically was in judo. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Dude. Yeah, that is absolutely so did you, insane. So you started training in Texas then? Yeah. So okay. I don't I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't. That is That's crazy. Yeah. And your judo black belt? Yeah. 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 Judo. When Should did you be. get a judo black belt? So I actually, it took me 20 years to get a judo black belt. Yeah. I was 23 when I got my black belt yeah. from uh, Rick Ruka, which is my, uh, my first judo coach ever That's who moved cool. to bend oregon nice to start a judo school so pretty close here mm-hmm. so yeah then. yeah so we so i trained with them in texas and i didn't train with them for for years like i would say like seven years and then we ran into each other at a grocery at the winco in nampa actually Holy shit. and what? i was like wait what what just happened and then he started he was running uh international judo academy in nampa um and uh and yeah it was like that was all she wrote and he actually passed away in 2015 mm. in a in a horrible car accident oh, in, in oh, California geez. so it's wow. pretty terrible but yeah. still it's in cool contact that, with his wife and yeah stuff. and you carry that on you have a black belt from that person you know lucky to have the interaction that you did even it sounds like almost serendipitous you know mm-hmm. that it's yeah. just happenstance that he sees you you know yeah. it's kind of cool it, yeah he was a 
he was my my best friend, my, my the first mentor I've ever had in my life, mm-hmm. and such a just an amazing guy. Those Chris, are so big heart. Those are so important for kids, especially kids that have rough upbringings yeah, or or huge like egos or whatever. That's what martial arts can be so beneficial for. Is that's the thing is when I you know. I started martial arts my freshman year of high school in wrestling, and I and this is insane. I tell people, I tell myself this, and I'm like, oh my god, from from before the first practice, from every single second before that first rec- wrestling practice, I thought as an as an ninth grader, as an eighth grader, probably all the way back to like sixth grade, that I could beat the shit out of any human being <laughs> walking the face of the earth, and I was sure of it. I didn't say, I didn't think it. I knew it. I knew that with this just supreme confidence that was born out of nothing, you know, hormones and fucking whatever. My previous experience with fights, which I won against untrained, you know, yeah, people, yeah. For, you know, like, and I just, I, and I, it took one wrestling practice where a guy who ended up winning state, should have won state twice, but only won once, brutally destroyed me to the point where he was pinning me so badly and I was trying to get off my back so bad I couldn't breathe because he was, there was so much pressure on my chest cavity and I didn't know how to move my body move, to get right. a breath to get a breath so it was just all flexing and I actually had to tap out and I left that practice thinking holy shit I was wrong for, <laughs> I was wrong for so many years oh my god oh. I was so wrong can you imagine before that practice ever fighting that kid right. <laughs> in a real that? fight like, yeah, Jesus like, Christ yeah. you're like dude I'm gonna smoke this kid yeah. and all of a sudden you're waking dude, up it only took one time it only took one time I, I've seen you know I've seen like high school wrestlers come into jujitsu and it takes like three practices before they're like okay dude, I'm bad I'm, at this I need to learn all this right. but it, dude it took one moment and I was like so so I I was before wrestling and always and have been since um, like uh, I, I suffer from like really bad like anxiety disorder called mm-hmm. atychophobia. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard uh-uh, of it. It's uh, the fear of failing. Like, okay. Like I so it it, it kind of grew from my biological father and right. stemmed into like this huge thing where everything that happened in my life kind of like focused on that so um had to be perfect did he expect like perfection out of my out of both me and my brother and um my you know my brother was the oldest of the family so you know when my mom divorced my dad um, my brother got a lot of attention because that was my mom's like first baby right then there was me and then my sister was the only girl and then my youngest brother was is the baby of the family so i kind of felt like the black sheep of the family like yeah. growing like up middle child it was the worst ever because you know like i with my brother older brother i can never do something anything right compared to him so i've always been competing with him my younger sister was the only girl so like anything with her it was always her right and my younger brother was the baby of the family so, so it's like yeah. it was uh, like i was uh i felt like the uh expendable one of yeah, my entire family yeah. and then growing up you know i grew we grew up like in a really hard time in caldwell like when we moved here i, I believe it was 1999 uh we we grew up here um in like the roughest place in idaho and it seems so dumb to say that but mm-hmm. we grew up in the time where like caldwell was like they they called it like the murder year we had you know more murders per capita than like Chicago yeah. and it was we made national news and it Jeez. was really it was crazy there was Sketchy, like yeah. every like like two or three times a week we'd hear gunshots God. from your house 
Yeah, it was crazy. We lived on the opposite side of the tracks too, like where the ghetto is. They would yeah. consider like like the, you know, the um, Section Eight housing right, and right. and yeah. you know kids who were clearly not going to make it in mm. life. Um, Ugh, that's harrowing, man. Oh yeah. So I a lot of so I grew up with those kids. You know, those same kids who were you know pulling triggers mm-hmm. a couple of years later and you know stabbing people in freaking Albertson parking lots Drugs. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, my parents tried to shield me from that a lot. Like my stepdad, who is my best friend and, yeah. you know, he's my dad. He, yeah. you know, right. took me away from a lot of that, but. Especially sounds like he had, you know, experience in yeah. that kind of situation. Right. So the, he kind of didn't want you to go down right. that path. So that was one of the big things. He was yeah. like really big on that. He said, you know, you're not my kids, but you're, you're my kids. Yeah. You know, like I, I'd be damned if my kids are going to grow up. And, and, you know, get killed on the streets or mm-hmm. get popped for drugs or, or go to prison, you know, like go to prison. He, yeah. Know, he's been there. It's so much different when someone's been there, you know, yeah. as opposed to just telling yeah. you. And he, I mean, there was times where he put us through like, all right, you want to act like a thug? You're <laughs> in prison schedule now. Yeah. You know, you get fed at this time, you get wrecked <laughs> at this time. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but it, it was an eye-opening experience, you know, yeah. like I hung out with a lot of the wrong kids and even to the point where I got jumped by like grown men from from a gang that i was just affiliated with the opposite people like the wrong people yeah because i went to school with these kids you know and they were wearing blue and these guys were wearing red and you know it's grown-ass men beat the crap out of me like Mm. i i 13 years old or something like that i was at the at the park and i was hanging out with these kids and they ran and i was like all right whatever see ya you know And, and uh I fought this dude who was 18 years old. I was 13, Jeez. and I double-legged him, <laughs> oh, put him on his head, and I was Whoa. beating the crap Whoa. out of him. All of a sudden, I get hit from the back. Jesus and I, I just remember waking up, and I see just like it looked like. Probably knocked you back in. They probably knocked you back Oh, out. yeah. No, like it, I felt like I was getting punched by Machamp. Jesus Christ! Four, four different arms. Oh. Yeah, not cool. Like a little 13-year-old versus a group of people. Yeah, three three grown men, Jesus. and then. Um, yeah, so, At least you put that motherfucker on his head and yeah, I was, a couple of times. That's see, and that's cool. that's the kind of stuff like like that was it was scary at first, but like being around that my whole life, it was like it started to be less scary, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Anything, and then anything is like that, you just get callous to it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like I my biggest thing is like when I started sports, I started playing football um in like seventh grade and I can see like my parents light up. And I was one of the best football players out there, and it's my first year. Mm-hmm. I was getting sack after sack, and the way Jesus. that my parents <laughs> talked like about a, me. Like a fucking Wolverine. Oh, it was, it was awesome, man. I, <laughs> I just got such a high, and then just low my, center of gravity. And my, parents would, my parents would talk to their friends about it, mm-hmm. and then they would just speak about me so highly. And mm-hmm. so this sense of like being the black sheep yeah. would go away. Right. And so and you I, want to continue to do that. Yeah, anymore, absolutely. Yeah. And then and then when football season ended, like it went back to the way it was before, you know, right. where they're like, you know, I felt like I was comparing myself. I had this idea of this idea that my parents had about me. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Yeah, you adopted that view. Right. And then and then that like atychophobia just grew from yeah. there and like I would go football season no break into wrestling season, no break into judo or kickboxing. Yeah. And, 
and then back right back into football and it, like I just like this hunger for success yeah. grew and this fear of failure got deeper and deeper right. when I stakes like, get higher especially all of a sudden, when you're doing really pulse, well yeah exactly absolutely and, yeah, and there's, yeah you know sports get pretty intense in junior senior year it's like I mean there's you know, nail tooth and nail moments in there that are scary yeah I was I mean on the football field like people um like our school, they my nickname for our, our football players was the Diesel, and then for other schools they called me the Gremlin. Like they mm-hmm. they <laughs> made mock defenses or offenses specifically for me. Yeah. Like they they made entire offense like play offensive plays to make sure that they took me out of the play, and oh it didn't gosh. work. Yeah. Like <laughs> like there was there was colleges who who came and looked at me and realized that I was five, six, mm-hmm. like 139 pounds. Right. And we're like, we can't yeah. like use it, like grow, right. <laughs> grow, right, right. get Which two is inches so shitty taller. Because we've, <laughs> yeah. You know, really that's been proven to, it's not always the case, man. There's, I mean, Ke- what, who's it? Kevin Durant, uh, went to the, went to the, uh, Sonics or whatever, right before they left Seattle, he couldn't bench press 150 pounds or something like that as a professional, an NBA player. And, you know, teens are, like, turning him down because of that. He ends up, you know, lighting people up, scores a bajillion points. It's just like, yeah. can they play? Can they play? Can you build something? How about that Tyron Matthew guy? He's oh, yeah. fucking 5'8 or whatever. No, he's tiny. Yeah, you know. Tiny is two inches taller than I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that, like, staying in sports was also, like, a way of, like, surviving? Um, I, I definitely feel that way. There was a lot of my uncles when I was growing up before sports ever happened mm-hmm. um, who would just like straight up tell me like you're gonna end up in prison or dead by 18 like i know it for sure because of the way like where you were being raised like your friends or because the way you were like why did be it it had a lot to do with like my my environment and Mm -hmm. and contributing to my environment like Mm -hmm. like my me and a bunch of my friends would go out and like constantly look for fights we Mm -hmm. would look for you know, for trouble. I was horrible in school up until like I realized that if I don't do good in school, I'm not going to play sports. Right. And the sports is what helped me gain a better understanding of like my parents and what they what they want for me. Um, and so, uh, like my like from my freshman to my senior year, I like completely like cold turkey that group of people, even mm. to where like. We they would say hi to me in the halls and I would just look the opposite way. Dang. Like they would be like, "Yo, you're you know you're punk. Why yeah. do you act like a punk?" I'm like, dude, you, you guys are ruining my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this yeah. one of one of the dudes that I grew up with just got popped for like, um, for like uh, uh, distribution and mm-hmm. and like like federal drug trafficking Jesus. charges yeah. because he was Seriously. bringing heroin over the state line. Yeah. Like that's that's a dude that I grew up with, at one yeah. point was like yo i take a bullet for this right. kid you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah so it could be you easily yeah i had a lot of friends um like my freshman and sophomore year of college who were all on the U of I football team and they were all from like la like poor neighborhoods in la um like jack was it jacksonville in yeah. florida yeah. like different places that were just like hard like hard, hard places. places and that for was sure. like such a eye-opener for me because I grew up in like a very privileged situation like my parents we grew up in like small town north Idaho which is like majority white and like pretty well off people and so when I met these guys like I didn't realize how important it is to like 
stay the course like they would tell me that their friends would just like be getting murdered and like their moms just like hammered it into their head like if you don't make it in football like you're not going to get out of here right, right. just something that was foreign yourself. to her and it you know was what like, I mean? yeah but <laughs> well, to most people right, really because right, right. we a lot of people haven't experienced that yeah. lifestyle they yeah. uh, most of the people that i, I associate yeah. with now have no idea what mm. it's like to be poor and living with two or three other families, right. barely making it, yeah. flying so under the radar that you don't even get government assistance. Yeah. Well, we're having to buy you know, out-of-date bread and out-of-date milk yeah. just to eat. And my mom is working three jobs yeah. just to feed kids, four kids. Yeah. And my, my stepdad's not even like, I mean, he's barely making minimum wage at, right out of prison. Right. You know Which what I mean? Is so, that's a fucked system too. Is And we could have a whole podcast on that, but the fact that you're not just punished in prison, it's for life. Forever. Oh, absolutely. You can't, you absolutely. Can't vote and there's they won't hire felons anywhere except Dick's burgers and it's just like well what do you what they do you expect these time. people to they do? Did the punishment. Yeah, dude, like, they're gonna so reoffend. Of course yeah. they are. That would be the Well and and that's one of the things that's one of the things that we need like we really need like prison reform. Yes. Exactly. Because yeah. I have one of my best friends of all time that that you know ended up stepping out of that that troubled lifestyle and doing wrestling and football and we grew mm-hmm. up doing all this stuff got into really bad into drugs and it, like is suffering from that his whole life like that's a, that's a disease like right. like personally a, suffering a, addiction right. yeah. addiction is a it, it's a lifelong thing yeah. like oh yeah the like and it's hard to compare like his addiction to my addiction or right. you know my my anxiety disorder with his anxiety mm-hmm. disorder because we we deal with them differently i deal with it a lot differently now because i understand that there's more at stake for me you know right. what i mean and um i have kids and i i've made my life choices from the time that i had my daughter till right now mm-hmm. like dependent on what my kids are viewing what they're seeing what they what they are experiencing in life because I have I have no desire for them to even touch the things that I have seen yeah, or right. done in my time yeah. in my life. Yeah. Cause that that's frankly that scares the hell that's out of me. Scary. You know? it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, it's, even to think about my son even being in some of the situations where I was in where mm-hmm. you know, I I'm in the backseat of a car while my two one two of my really good friends are committing a freaking burglary and they jump in the car like yo we got to get out of here like i'm like what just happened you know i'm 13 years old you know the reality is they might not be in the same situations but they will be in situations and all you can do as a good parent and i'm not this is not speaking from experience i don't have any children but this is my you know assertion of the of the situations you just have to give them the best tools the The best skills the best experiences prior to that so they can make the right decisions you know well and that's one of the things that i tell people a lot like um like new parents and stuff and i'm by no means like the ideal parent because i've made my mistakes for sure mm-hmm. um is like showing like i treat the women in both of my daughter's lives with the utmost respect i treat them right in front of my my son mm-hmm. i treat them right in front of my daughters right. and behind their backs as well mm-hmm. yeah um number one because I, I want my son to know how to treat a woman. Mm-hmm. I want my daughter to know how she should be treated. Right. And then when they're old enough to make their own decisions, at the very least, they know the right way to handle those situations. Mm-hmm. Because if you, like, if I was grown up in this cycle where my dad's beating my mom and every man in my life was a, an abusive piece of crap, which, you know, other than my 
my my stepfather, who's an, an incredible man, has been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, all I know how to do is the wrong would. things, probably and would. even you would be beating up women. It's so hard to not do that. Even if even if I wanted to break that cycle, so not hard. knowing the right way to right. handle Where things, being put in that bad situation. Mm-hmm. The only thing I know how to do at this point in my life is the wrong way to handle it. Exactly. And so in order to break the cycle the right way and help my son break these cycles yeah. that that have I've been brought up in is by doing it the right way. Yeah. You know, by not Being by an yeah, leading by example. Right. That's why you know, I uh I, I did like the decision I made to sell my business and not not work for myself to work for somebody else to be there more for my kids was mm-hmm. super important it's for huge, me and my yeah, wife. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Well, and they'll look back on that and they'll know that you, you know, made that decision to right. be with them and that's like that's meaningful. They remember that child. forever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like and another thing that I that I try to explain to some of my friends who are really close to me who are in the same struggle where they're working so much and have very little time for their family is I can teach my son more about life more about love more about happiness with a pen a piece of paper and five minutes of my time mm-hmm. than i can with all the money in the world right. it's true and all the things in the world and all the material things that he could ever want in People the world don't understand that no one gets that man that that is that is an unknown thing they might hear it they might you know it might be in their head but it's not truly known to many 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 parents unfortunately you know it's just society pushes this idea of wealth and wealth equals happiness and it just doesn't man it's just not you'll it, breed problems for yourself either absolutely. at the moment or down the line it's just that's that's how it works absolutely it's one of the scariest feelings too is is um you know like downsizing and downgrading your life mm-hmm. like financially yeah, it's it, yeah. it was the hardest transition. Tell us about your business a little bit. So um, I ran any construction and land maintenance. Okay. Um, and we we did a lot of um, huge projects. Like we, we, I was like a general contractor. Mm-hmm. So we did everything. We did everything from remodel to uh, new construction to, um, you know, stucco, flat work foundation. Concrete, we did, like- we did lots of, um, Framing, are you framing La- landscaping, okay. like landscape buildup, okay. landscape design and stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm a like a carpenter by trade, so mm-hmm. I, you know, like being able to do all that stuff. And we made we made some fat cash for a bit. Yeah, like, yeah. like there was there was times where we had so much money, we're like, whoa, whoa what are we gonna do? Yeah, about yeah. That? And then going from that to, you know, I, I was blessed with a company that I came into contact with um, to, to go from working for myself to this company. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge, huge blessing. Now I run, I'm a field supervisor. I run um, three crews and I, nice. they, you know, I, I run my crews like I run my household. Like, yeah. like family comes first. If you have stuff that comes up and it has to do with your family or whatever, like court stuff. You don't come to work like that yeah. stuff's way more important than yeah. making money. I've gone as far as, and I hope you know the important people in my company is not listening to this, but <laughs> I've gone as far as putting people on the clock mm-hmm. and giving them hours so that they're not stressed about the yeah. money that's not and coming you, in. You know what that does? That makes them work harder when yeah, they're exactly. there. They want, I, it breeds this this culture of 
absolutely hard work and success and really love like you're they're yeah. you know and they, respect like yeah. you, they see that you're respecting them so the respect for you just grows well they, a lot That's of my awesome. guys call me dad for sure like, <laughs> they call me dad I, and um, awesome. as a matter of fact the guys that have I move guys up so my position in the company is basically to teach them the, enough to get them to the next step mm-hmm. and I've rotated guys through so much to the point where like they'll, they'll call me they'll call me every day um, I just had a guy on Saturday who went from my crew to a building crew um, who worked for me and like he I, he calls me every week you know I talk to him like once a week every week um, I talk to guys who have never even worked for me before who just like have gotten the guys who have worked for right. me and just yeah. appreciate me and respect me yeah. because of that and they, awesome. they'll call me and be like hey what's up man hope you're doing good and mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of culture that I that I've kind of redeveloped in our company because before mm-hmm. me it was about you know about times mm-hmm. making sure jobs are done right, right. all this stuff and yeah. i've kind of helped change a dynamic yeah. and built a culture in my company that yeah. all my guys feel like family like mm-hmm. we hang out together i moved a guy in my property um in a in a mobile home because him and his family got got booted from their place mm-hmm. which is a the worst, most terrible situation I've ever mm-hmm. even heard of. Disgusting yeah. human beings that yeah. happened that did this to him. And I don't even know. Uh, that's a whole nother subject. But um, I moved him on our property and he's, you know, he just got out of prison for some stuff. And um, he's just in a, one of the hardest workers, one of the most reliable people I've ever met in my entire life. Just got caught up mm-hmm. with stupid mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and is, yeah. yeah. And I moved him onto my property and he became like family to me, you know, yeah. and he didn't want to leave me, even though he was making more money on the other side. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't yeah. want to leave yeah. this crew. I don't want, like I made him my foreman. Yeah. They feel like they belong and they yeah. have a community. And that's like so cool that you can give back to the people that like probably had similar upbringings where things were mm-hmm. kind of sketchy, but maybe they didn't have like that male They never had that stepdad yeah. so or they didn't have that. Yeah, yeah, right. You can still be that later on. Yeah. It's yeah. just as effective sometimes at 40 years old, 30 years old, that is is at 8 years old, 10 years old. It really Absolutely. It's so shitty. Like, the th- I see this all the time in the hospitals where people who are working or just anywhere, basically, people think they're better than someone who used to do meth, who used to be in prison like all these things or maybe they are there because they need like they're there for pain pills or whatever and like something happened in those people's lives to get them to that point and like i see people all the time being not as helpful to them as they could be and i try to be like as nice as i can to every fucking patient i have and the coolest people that i have met like in my when i was working at like mod pizza there's a lot of people who are like ex-meth addicts. They had like two years under the belt. And those were the people that I was like the biggest homies with because I trusted them and I knew they were going to be real with me. They weren't going to lie to me. Yeah. Like they were the coolest people who worked there. And I think that people don't really like understand that. People yeah. who've never been in, like around that. Like people would come into Mod Pizza and just treat them like shit. And yeah. it's like, dude, fuck off. I would, I would say, I would be like, you have to come meet my friends. And I would come waltzing into Mod Pizza and there'd be a guy with like no teeth and awesome. real hard nose looking guy. Like, hey, and I'm like, Jesus, babe. Like, <laughs> why'd you have to pick that guy? And you know what I tell people is one of the things I've started to say is 
just use meth for example. Anyone can do meth. Anyone can get on meth. It's not hard. Very few people can get off of meth. And that right. takes a stellar, superb, strong, hard, person. strong person to do that. It's or, almost like a feather in your cap. I'm like, whoa, there's something going this is not the same as these other people in my life. Like this there's something there's something to that. It doesn't yeah, just happen by accident. You, the the commitment that comes along right. with like getting over because you never f- you will fight addiction forever. It's 24 yeah. hours a day, seven days a week, 365 yeah. days a year. Yeah. Like it will never go away. Right. Mm-hmm. That that addiction stays with you when you sleep. Mm-hmm. You dream about it. Right. You know anything can set you off. The mm-hmm. commitment it takes to to get away from that mm-hmm. and to physically, literally at times physically, physically. make yourself yeah. like like take yourself away from that situation mm-hmm. is incredible. And mm-hmm. it takes. A lot, a lot of dedication. Mm-hmm. And it goes not even just like the drugs, like the lifestyle. Like one of my buddies was telling me the hardest part for him wasn't getting off the drugs. It was getting away from that lifestyle because all your friends are you know, doing this stuff. You know, you have a sense of community and you get like an adrenaline rush when you're going to rob someone's house. He said that was like the biggest drug for him. Yeah, no, su- substance love is huge. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of couples stay together and they hate each other off right. drugs. Mm-hmm. But the substance love, the mm-hmm. fact that when they're together on the substance, it's an altered state. Yeah, yeah, they they're like you they're different people. It's meet two different people. people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You meet them, you're like you guys belong together. <laughs> right. But off drugs, they are they hate right, each other, right, you know. Right. And so yeah. that that substance love is a true it's a true yeah. thing. Like, and then when you have a child together with that person. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, yeah that, I, tough. I have no yeah I have no understanding of that, and I could only just imagine it gets infinitely more complex. You know, harder to separate from, and all these different factors. Uh, oh, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, especially if you're if one's like committed to getting clean and the other one's right. not, and then it's yeah. you know it becomes a battle of of who's the stronger willed. Mm-hmm. So and being there for that person still. When was your first fight, true cage fight, where? You know your hands. Your hands are wrapped. You're wearing MMA gloves, and you're in a cage. And tell us about how you felt going into that. We always ask this for people that have, but have the experience. We like to know about the first one. So, um, so my first cage fight was at, um, was a huge fight. It was for XFS. It was at the CenturyLink Arena, mm-hmm. and I was 16 years old. Holy shit! I had to get my a permission slip from my right. mom saying that she gave me permission. In Washington, to fight. that's the youngest you can fight in Washington, so I'm sure it probably. So was similar. so back then they were letting kids fight at like 14. Okay. Like Jesus. I think I remember Dom Dominic Pearson fighting at like 14 or 15 Jesus. years old. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> um, I um, I weighed in, and the guy that I was fighting against was like like in his late 20s yes yeah and he like i have a was, best friend at home chris vassal who was 16 and fought a 32 year old man for his first fight with just full sleeve tattoos just a yeah. behemoth <laughs> monster Christ. of a guy like i was at what weight was this at um this was at 145 okay so i was wrestling still so right. i was still i was like Which is huge super in shape yeah. right after wrestling season <laughs> you know i i was like you know my my mom and dad they they're like look we're coming you know my dad always does this thing where he's like you better win because i'm not gonna go you know yeah i don't i didn't come here to see you lose yeah yeah like literally everybody that i know who i'm related to always says that to me but (laughs) my mom yeah my, (laughs) my mom you know always tells me i remember this from like my first big wrestling tournament was break both legs, break all your hands, all your arms, like, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I saw it was weird, but if I don't hear it, it's like a mental. Right, I have a I'm couple like, of those. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call my mom intentionally for her to say that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was, you, we weighed in, the guy weighed in and we did a face off and I'm five foot six and he was like six foot and I Jesus. like was looking up at him like, it's just a wrestling match, you yep, know, it's yep. nothing else. And then um, the next day, like I had 24 hours to just like let it sink in. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, fucking, I'm fucking fighting somebody. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Um, uh. And so I, uh. I made weight. I got all my stuff together and I actually forgot my gloves and had to have my mom drive Classic. them to me to the <laughs> arena because I, I had no gloves there. Mm-hmm. They, and it was back in a time where things were a little bit different. They won't, wouldn't let you use other people's gloves. And, and, uh, you know, I, I wrapped my hands and, um, like I remember my mom calling me saying, Hey, I have your gloves right out here. So I ran out there and I just fucking started bawling. Mm, Jesus. I was like, I don't, I can't do this. So mom. And my dad's like, 16. my dad's like coming around the corner. You know what I mean? And like, you know, toughen up yeah. the attitude came, came in, you know, like rushed over me and I like wiped my tears on my mom's shirt. And like, I took a deep breath. I grabbed the gloves from her and I turned around and my dad like grabbed me by the shoulder and turned me around and uh, I'm about to cry. He hugged <laughs> me really hard and, He's like, hey, you out there and you fucking end this guy. Yeah. Like, he's done. Yeah. All right. And he's like, I love you to death. So go in there and get it. And I like pulled away from my dad and he could see me crying. Yeah. And he goes, I I get it. Yeah. I understand. And yeah. he like did the little chin check and yeah. <laughs> sent me off on my way. And then I went and I got ready. And uh, we were one of the smallest gyms at the time. You know, was, there was like Primal Tribe, uh, Team Hardcore, Twisted Genetics. And then there was like, us no uh team no excuse before Mm -hmm. it was ever a team it Mm -hmm. was like uh, myself um david serena brent farrow david thomas who was the heavyweight champ at the time and then uh ryan rhodes Mm -hmm. um and it was us just us five guys training training in uh the valley view high school wrestling room jesus (laughs) and so uh david thomas wrapped my hands and um I looked at him and I was like, I am scared shitless. And he goes, good. Yeah. Cause if you weren't, tell people too. if you weren't scared, then this is the wrong, wrong place for you. Mm-hmm. So I remember going out there, um, getting ready, like jumping around. And then Dave and Serena was like, Hey, look, this dude, I heard this dude in the back say like, Hey, get my, um, get my celebration beer ready for me. Make yeah. sure it's cold and crisp. And I don't know why. I would, t- I would tell a, 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 you that too in that situation. I don't know why, but that lit a fire yeah. under me. <laughs> yeah. um, so we walk into the cage like my butterflies just completely went away. Mm. I'm like, there's no, I can't step out now. Like people are looking right. at me. If, yeah. I turn, if I turn tail and ran right now, yeah. I would never hear the end of it. Yeah. And it was back when the CenturyLink was dual sided. So they didn't have that curtain to... Mm. Okay. To close off half the arena, there yeah. was literally the whole place Holy was shit. like filled to the brim of, oh, of spectators, and that was my first fight ever at yeah. 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. oh my god! <laughs> like, um, I went to state like not too long ago with like half that many people watching me, and I was nervous as hell. Mm-hmm. Right. So I walked out to the cage, and um, like they did the whole pat down, check your teeth, check your cup, give your cup, you know give your coaches hugs so i gave all my coaches hugs 
David Thomas says, hey, this is it, man. This is where you find out if this is for you or not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> Walked inside the cage, and then I remember like thinking in my head, like, this dude is not as prepared as me. Mm-hmm. There's no way. I just got done with wrestling season. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is one of the hardest sports right. ever. Even compared to MMA, it truly yeah, is. I, absolutely. Yeah. My body was so prepared. I've mm-hmm. been boxing with my dad since I was young, since I was like, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. Yeah. And trained judo since you were born. There's nobody, nobody on on earth at this time in my head yeah. can even compare to my judo. Yeah. I was in so many street fights. I've been punched in the face. I've been right. I've been right. cut. I mean, I've there's nothing on earth that there's no person on earth that is prepared in this situation right better now. than I am right yeah. now. And we touch gloves, and then all of a sudden, I remember going in the back, and everybody's like, "Dude, are you fucking? Can you fuck that guy up?" Weird. It just like and I don't you. remember that anything. Is wild. I remember watching the tape, Holy and I tossed this guy like eight times. Oh my god! I he couldn't hit me. I, my head movement was so ridiculous. Holy like, shit! I I was watching the tape. I hit him, and then he tried to tie up with me, and I sunk this really really deep uh, Osoto Garuma. Which is like across the legs, big major over the hip throw, <laughs> landed, and and then um, now you're in casing Atami kind of yeah when you land yeah I'm so I'm in I'm in uh, judo side control yeah head and arm um, yeah and uh, I I I'm pounding his face I end up knee on belly him going to full mount and I'm holding one of his hands against the cage <laughs> oh and I'm hitting God. him and I'm like throwing uppercuts and the fight's on YouTube and oh, I was like, it. It, it was insane and I, like my heart was pounding oh, like yeah. watching the I was like I don't remember yeah any of it. it's crazy I things don't happen to it. people's minds man I told a story previously on our podcast that I had the only out of body experience I've ever had in my life, in my in my first fight. I've never had one since prior. For a moment, for I swear to God, for a moment, two times it actually happened. I was zapped out of my body on the rafters of the fucking Ev- Edmonds Community College, and I oh watched my myself punch, fight the guy, and then I zap back into my body, and then I zap to the ceiling and back into my body. And in the moment, I'm like, what the fuck was that? What was that? While I'm fighting, I'm thinking about, like, why did that just happen? It was so crazy, dude. It's such a surreal feeling, too, because I just turned 30. August 1st was my birthday. At 30 years old, I still get, like, butterflies all the way up until I hit the cage. Yeah. Once I hit the cage, I it's like I'm I'm like dead face, like my poker face is insane, mm-hmm. and I just I don't feel anything. I don't have adrenaline. I don't ever adrenaline dump ever. Yeah, I've never never happened ever in my life. Yeah, um, I've never had an adrenaline high during a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm so composed and focused, and I feel everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But always, always up until I reach the cage, like, like yeah. my whole body's trembling. Yeah. Like I'm like. Fuck, dude, what, like, Why do I did, do this? I'm worse, gonna get hurt. Like that one mile that I should have gone further. Right. Like that one more round. Mm-hmm. Like, did I work on the things that I needed to work on right. enough? And like that feeling, that um, that fear of failure, mm-hmm. like just like overwhelms my body. It's almost sickening to the point where I've I've like thrown up almost every single one of my fights except for my last my very last fight which was an amazing fight first time i've never thrown up prior it's a great fight um and i i like i went out there my body was trembling i was literally i clenched my fist so hard 
Then when I opened my hand after the fight, I had marks Jeez. from from my from well my no nails, but like the fact that I dug them in yeah. so much, like I literally had scratch marks oh yeah. my on my hand. Like yeah. the entire fight, my hand was clenched. So like my the only feeling of like exhaustion was my whole right arm was so tired for like two weeks after. Yeah, Where like Jesus. Like, I felt like when you're holding on to a swing for so long, like, super tight, mm-hmm. and you try to open your hand, and you're like... Oh, like Jesus. Just, yeah. yeah, Jesus. Like, like almost, Or inner tubing that happens, too. Yeah, around yeah. Around the thing, yeah. And so I... Man, it was... It's always crazy, and then that atychophobia just takes over, and then it's, like, it, like subsides as soon as I step yeah. in the cage, because then it's, like... What, are you, what can I do shit. now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your plans for fighting moving forward? Do you want to just kill the world go all the way to the top which i very i think you're 100 percent capable of so so i think um i think my views on that have changed like over the last couple years mine too now the fact that i'm 30 and i have i have kids who you know who need me right and they need a, a very sane very logical like person in their life like i I'm obviously I train like I'm going to be a UFC champion, Mm -hmm. you know, or a Bellator champion or a WBC boxing champion or a world champion of some sort. Um, I've always trained to be that way. But at the same time, like my focus has shifted on myself for myself to my kids. Mm -hmm. Like drastically. That's the healthiest way to be a parent. It can't be about you. And and there are some times where I need to think selfishly. Like during my last training camp, I had very few interactions with my kids and my wife um, because it was one of those like make it or break it type fights. And that guy was good. He was a skilled opponent. He's so he's one of the toughest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like mentally, like just want to give a shout out to Quinn Whalen. That kid mentally is a rock. Like solid as granite that's mm-hmm. i mean just he stayed he stayed i saw his i was watching his composure when he was in leg entanglements and he stayed just did the smart thing i'm like man there's a couple stretches on the knee and i hit him so hard where normally i would fold people in half with my body yeah, shots yeah <laughs> like like not my right hand yeah you know straight to the ribs but my left to the liver yeah like i hit him so hard and flush i can hear Every the ounce of echo. air leave yeah. his body. Jesus. Like he went. Ugh. Oh my God. And he stayed. Didn't fucking go down. <laughs> that is wild. Like mentally, I was just like, like dude, what the I. Fuck? That was the last thing I hit him with. I hit him, boom. And then, like, the fact that he didn't go down, I was like, we have a minute left. He's not. He's not going down. Yeah. So I hugged him, and then we finished the fight just snuggling, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like it was the most, like, it's terrifying going in there and hitting something, somebody with everything you have, mm-hmm. and they are not like budging. Yeah. Like it's. I'm really terrifying. used to that because I have no power, so that happens to me every single fight. <laughs> I have. I have like. And you have power. You have I serious have power. Stupid yeah, power. You do. The, like mentally, I'm just like. I just hit him with liter like I literally cannot give any more than what I just gave in my punches. Yeah. Like I literally pushed him up against the cage. I wound up and I launched it's it from Texas. Like it came from my grandmother's house. <laughs> <laughs> and that dude stayed standing. Yeah, it was insane. Jesus. So, no, this is my question. Uh, so I noticed you bowed when you walked into our house and I've seen you like praying after practice do you can you talk about like your spirituality and like what that means for you and kind of 
everybody has their own take on it. So. so, so I've been, I mean, my whole life has been spent in martial arts. Mm-hmm. So I just, that, that's one of the ticks that I absolutely can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch me enter a mat, I will always bow. You'll watch me leave a mat. I will always bow. And I've been told thousands of times by coaches, like, stop doing that. That's really? not, you know, like, don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just, it's a, like, I enter a dojo and I bow as soon as I enter the dojo, um, or the gym. Right. Um, and I, I have like a very close relationship with God, like mm-hmm. very close. And it might, um, I just don't push my, my religion on anybody because yeah. I don't think it's fair for me to say, this is what I believe, that's what you should believe. Right, exactly. And this is like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never tried to push my religion on my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids have asked me about, you know, Jesus and God and, and I've talked to them about it. Um, but I've never tried, um, I've never tried to push my religion on my kids because it's not fair to them that's wild no one that's so crazy that's the first time i've ever heard that in my life yeah ever seriously and i was raised as a catholic and i've been around religious people my entire life my first communion my second communion i was baptized yeah yeah i've never heard that i stay away from the catholic church because the because the views on like from catholicism to all the other religions right and like belief systems is so skewed and so Mm -hmm. judgmental like i can't stand it right um, but like I, I consider myself non-denominational Christian, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, but I just don't think it's fair that my kids haven't developed mentally fully right. to push them into that yeah. aspect of their life. And yeah. my like my wife feels the same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's so, cool. that's so cool that you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I just I just feel like if they want to pursue something, regardless of what it is, my opinion on it should not matter mm-hmm. because if they want to pursue. My, if my son wants to pursue dancing, mm-hmm. right? If he wants to be the world's greatest dancer, right? Uh, first of all, we named him the best name for any type of anything he will ever want to do. <laughs> so, regardless if he's going to be a world famous actor, dancer, singer, yeah. striker is the oh, yeah. baddest yeah, ass that name work. that does work for dancing ever. Too, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So he's so cute. So we so we don't want to push him in any direction we want to give him the tools like you said we want to be able to to help him put the tools in the toolbox and not just give him the tools show him how to use those tools Mm -hmm. and allow him the opportunity to pick up those tools and use them himself yeah absolutely absolutely and that's that's something that i i was never given the opportunity Mm -hmm. like i mean i think that most most parents don't do it like that, and we kind of want to do that with our kids, too. And I had a taste of that. My parents did a pretty good job at what you're talking about. Not fully. It's hard to do it 100%. It's almost impossible. Absolutely. But um, And I really benefited from that, from from being able to, to blaze my own trail. You know, It was so valuable for me. Even today, I'm constantly using and thinking back on all these experiences that I put myself into, you know? Right. Um, and they mean more when, when you're like, well, fuck, I did this. I got here. And for better or worse, whether it's a bad, you know, learning experience where something didn't go your way or something did go your way. It's it's big on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, when I saw you doing that after you got off the mat, I thought it was super cool. And, like, we're not really religious or anything. And we haven't really decided what we want to believe in. But um, We're spiritual. I would say we're spiritual. Yeah, and I think that it's powerful to be intentional uh, with like what you're respecting, what you're dedicating your thoughts to, being thankful for things. And like, 
I don't know, I really would like to kind of start maybe doing like a prayer, not necessarily to a higher, well, to like a universe almost. Right. To a higher power. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I really do power. believe in a higher power or powers. I mean, as far as something is here, this table is here. It had to have a creator that had to have a creator all the way and so forth and so right. forth. Back to what? That's You can't answer that question with math or physics. Like, yeah. Right. And actually like physicists and mathematicians have been answering that question for years and years and years. Right. They just don't like connect the dots. Right. Like yeah, they're, yeah. they're too smart for their own good, right. you know? And, and there's like, a power in thought too. Every, everything in the entire universe is connected. Right. Everything, every, every molecule, the every The words atom, you're speaking, the words you're speaking will be out there forever. It it, just it's literally, it's literally connected yes. to you. Like yeah. we're connected yes. in such a, in such a like a, an intimate a, way. A, a chemical and like physiological, electrical, like electrical. Yeah. We're connected so so much to the point where like if everything in the entire universe and the like the continuous spectrum mm-hmm. is connected yes. by one thing, right. why can't that one thing? be what we're all praying to exactly. what we call you know god I mean? or what we call god it, i agree 100 percent. you know like, and i and i don't consider and there's myself no physical there's no physical body and in right. the bible uh, it says that the physical body of god of christ is is jesus is mm-hmm. um is the son of god that's his physical embodiment mm-hmm. of what he is but before that there's no there's no physical mm-hmm. body why yeah. can't that one non-physical body be everything you know what I mean? right. so yeah, so with cool. me like i've i've i prayed before every fight i've prayed for my opponent mm-hmm. i've never not prayed for my opponent mm-hmm. i've prayed for my opponent's family his wife his kids depending on if he has them or not mm-hmm. um and I, I pray for his mom his his parents the people who love him mm-hmm. um because I, i'm not in it to hurt people and a lot right. of people who are in it to hurt people they have a horrible experience with their with their career. Yeah. I do I do this because I love it. I, right. It's one of my favorite things in the world. If I'm not getting punched in the face weekly, I I get depressed. Yeah. Like I I my um, atychophobia flares up really yeah. bad. I mean, I don't know if you've seen my before and after pictures of my weight loss, but I, I got have, up to two hundred and thirty pounds. That is wild. That letting, five foot six. Oh my god! Letting my atychophobia take over yeah. and just be depressed and just yeah. disgusting. And that's not good for you. It's crazy, <laughs> and that's that's what keeps me healthy. Mm-hmm. Like physically, it's yeah. what keeps me healthy. And um, I've never asked for for help. I've never asked for advice. I just thank. God for the things he has given me, the opportunities he's presented me, and I pray that he keeps me and my opponent and all of his family safe mm-hmm. because that's the most important thing. It to is. Me. It really so, is. Yeah. It, I mean, if you think about it from an outside perspective, it is the most important thing in a fight that people are safe. Obviously, competition comes second, but hey, you know, how are we doing? Good. I just want to make right. sure it's still recording. Uh, so <laughs> kind of away from fighting, uh, you mentioned like teaching a survival course uh, for for youths talk about that a little bit so um um i do um like a really i i got into bushcrafting like a long long time ago and i'm super interested in the way that we used to do things um back before like electricity Mm -hmm. and and like the new way of doing things like like plant health keeping yourself healthy with plants Mm -hmm. um like antibacterial and stuff like that and uh even going as far as like like mental health like mm-hmm. um, what people call like magic mushrooms and mm-hmm. stuff like that stuff like that's really important and it, it 
it provides a lot of lot of like beneficial things to people's lives. So I tried to pass that knowledge on to to like younger kids, um, and um, I uh, I teach um, like fire building with mm-hmm. um, some tools, fire building with minimal tools, fire building with no tools yeah. whatsoever. Jesus, that's, that's um, hardcore. I I have I teach um, I teach um, like shelter building um, mm-hmm. s- same way. Fun, yeah. So with with uh, minimal, with some minimal and no tools whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, and I've, I mean I've posted a bunch of pictures on like Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook and stuff of the the different types of shelters I've built, um, and it's all it's all um, like dead wood, fallen trees, or like standing dead wood, mm-hmm. um, and just like material from the surrounding area. I've always broken down my shelters. Um, I've always put stuff back and that's super important is respecting um, the areas in which you go visit just like just like bowing when you walk into the gym absolutely it, it's all connected <laughs> right it's all connected and so um, I've done that for for a long time and now I'm passing that stuff on to my kids um, yeah my wife really likes it because she wasn't really into that stuff at first but um, then she made her first fire with a ferro rod nice. way faster than I can. <laughs> like she like understood, she understood the ferrocium rod before I ever did. And yeah. I like just in the short amount of time that I was like explaining to her what needs to happen, like the characteristics of a good fire, building yeah. a good fire. She got the stuff together. She struck the ferro rod with a striker and the fire it was she's like did you see that (laughs) that satisfaction like it took me months and months and months of like learning and trying to figure this out to do this and you did it in like 15 seconds it was infuriating but at the same time it was so it was so like like overwhelmingly um like satisfying for Mm -hmm. me to watch my wife get into something that I'm really into. Yeah. And so, um, and I, I, I like that feeling a lot. I like, um, I, I think that I was put on this earth to be a teacher. You're a great um, teacher, technique-wise. From the only t- experiences I've had for teaching, learning from you, it's been like, it's almost hard to learn in the best way because you're doing it perfectly. You're teaching me every moment that there could be so that it's hard to get at first, but if you do get it, it's perfect. You know? Yeah, I I feel like I feel like my ability to to speak to people um, was given to me for for that reason mm-hmm. to to pass on knowledge. Not yeah. like for a long time, I felt like my my athletic ability and my ability to understand things was put out there to do great things with my own body. Right, right, right. But as I got older and I started passing along knowledge and people started to look for me for yeah. answers to the questions that they have that I feel like is easier uh-huh. for me to understand it, my ability to teach the way that they need to be taught um, is the reason why I'm here. Yeah. Like, and I, I really truly believe like that, that experience of sharing love is mm-hmm. important because like going back to what we were talking about earlier, like when you're trying to break the cycle mm-hmm. and you're trying to love somebody with all your heart, a lot of people misunderstand like if you truly love somebody, treat them the way that you want to be treated. Some people like to be treated like shit. Some yeah. people are okay with it. That's how they feel comfortable. Right. If you truly love somebody, if you truly care about their well-being, you need to learn how 
they want to be it's like treated. their love language they're, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah you exactly. gotta learn how the way the way that they yeah. like that receive comes, that love comes from reading people you have to be able to exactly. read the person and, yeah, exactly and sure. I feel like that's the true answer to really loving or caring about somebody you're caring about the things that you do yeah. is learning the best way for that person to like receive information mm-hmm. or energy mm-hmm. and give it to them the way that they need to be right. received. And not everyone can do that. Yeah. I have it's that. hard. It's yeah. hard. It sucks. Sometimes yeah. you're like, ah, oh, just know what and I'm trying, trying to, to say. And trying to figure out the person, like what do you need? Yeah. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at that too. I like to think that I'm... We're pretty good at reading people. Brandon's pretty good at teaching people. I'm terrible. I, I just lose my patience. She has a harder time with patience teaching. I'm just not very good at it. It's, it's, it's not for okay. everyone. It's yeah. not, yeah, it's... What, what I was told growing up in martial arts specifically, but it translated into my entire world for a really long time up until my son was born. It was that you don't really truly understand the material unless you can teach it to yes. a first grader. Yeah. I where I agree with that in some aspects, this is where it changed. You can truly understand the material and apply it, but if you don't know how to teach it to a first grader, that's not your fault because if you don't know how to if you don't know how to explain something to somebody else if you understand it so much to the point where you can do it at will mm-hmm. but you can't teach it to somebody else that's not anything to do with your ability to understand it right. or do it yeah it's your Just to teach it it's it's a problem with knowing how to read people or understand right. that specific right. person right. Yeah. and it so, depends on the skill too like for example uh, kickboxing, like we're teaching my mom how to kickbox and his dad how to kickbox. And I feel like I can, I could totally teach them. I'm watching them hit pads with Brandon and I can instantly see what's wrong. The technique wise, like, oh, you're bringing your elbow too high. Right. But for example, with grappling, obviously I haven't been doing either of these things for very long, but like I could never teach someone how to grapple or like speak Spanish. Like you it's will. hard for you me to teach Brandon to. to speak Spanish, but like taking x-rays when I have students, I do enjoy teaching them. And so I think it is very, it depends on the skill. Like you can teach some things, but some things and, are harder. And the amount rest. of passion that you hold mm-hmm. with that particular skill. Right. And yeah. sometimes what you were saying, how you were saying there is a time where it's not true. Sometimes it is true. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm good at this single leg. And then I do try to teach it and I'm like, wait, fuck, you know, sometimes there is a little bit of a lapse in my right. own understanding that does translate over to the teaching. If, right. As long as you do have the teaching ability. Right, and I, I think I think that teaching something helps you understand it deeper. Also, right. like sure. from a different before before I started um, teaching and and showing people certain like leg locks and stuff, I I was really good at it. But now I'm like I take leg lockers to school. Yeah, like yeah. I watch that gotta, constantly. We gotta like get together sometimes, like open <laughs> mat, and you gotta like go through shit with me. Yeah. yeah, I just I've been in so many of those leg entanglement situations that it's. Like second nature. I know I know where I'm in trouble and I know where I can kick back. Yeah. And it's I can kick back in most situations. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that was a pretty fun round watching that black belt no gi round. He continually entered into the leg entangles and continually got submitted after his own entries. It was like, Oh shit. Yeah, he I just <laughs> I just like that he acknowledged the fact that he was like, Holy crap, like yeah. you're incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, he was a cool guy, yeah. He aren't you like a two year black belt? No, I just just got my brown belt a year ago what (laughs) uh so 
you mentioned magic mushrooms earlier. Do you want to chat about that a little bit? Psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think the way you phrased it, you were, you were like, yeah, and I try to deliver that to children. I think the people are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> like, so just you're like, forest. no. I, <laughs> yeah. So, so the knowledge, like plant knowledge is really important mm-hmm. and, and knowing what, like what is safe and what is not is as well, just as important. I mean, there's some things that, that I, I won't show my son you know, until he's much older, like, um, the psychedelic mushrooms is like one of those like, mm-hmm. huge topics. Like I don't want to push any of that stuff onto my kids. Although, um, I do give my children CBD gummies cause mm-hmm. they're really good with like, anxiety. like anxiety. Mm-hmm. My son has really bad anxiety, like separation disorder, like I was right. talking about. Um, and largely non-psychoactive. I mean, it's, it's, right. far, it's very, very, very mild, you know. Right. And, and there's it's, fucking parents giving their kids cough syrup. Yeah. You know what I and, mean? Like, think about that. And ADHD medication. Right. Yeah, do you which know, is essentially yeah. methamphetamine. Do you, you know? know what? Yeah. It's, it is. D- that, it's, what, that's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. How are you going to give somebody Adderall? Yeah. A, kid, start a child. With, start with black coffee or something uh, like that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and like, I think what, some people do do that. And I'm not saying in every single instance that they're not indicated but i will say that probably by and large they're massively over medicated you know nationwide well as far a as lot of the things is they they want to feed and i i just i have such a hard because i was diagnosed with adhd add ocd mm-hmm. ocpd mm-hmm. Um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder mm-hmm. um and I was like, when I was a kid, and I was right. like, dude, I'm just hyper. Like, I'm <laughs> right, just re- right. I just want to go. Yeah. yeah. And I'm still that way now. Right. You know what I mean? And when you tell a kid that, yeah. then that becomes they, their identity. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's yeah. what that's where the OCPD comes mm-hmm. in, the obsessive compulsive personality. Yeah. Did they put you on stimulants? So I was on I was on Adderall um, for for a long time. I took Ritalin for a long time. Yeah. I took lithium, Jesus. which is super insane, dangerous dude. for a child. They don't. Eat, it's dangerous for an adult. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And I had to take blood tests all the time. Like mm-hmm. I was constantly seeing my my child physician. When we moved up here from Texas, my my pediatric like physician was like, "Why did they put you on fucking lithium?" lithium? <laughs> yeah. And it that's turned me like, into a zombie. Like yeah, yeah. They cases. use that for people with psychotic breaks. Yeah. yeah. And you know. so when I was here, instead of all that crazy, like all those crazy drugs, yeah. I was seeing like a very, very liberal doctor, like mm-hmm. very extremely liberal. And he was like, well, just meditate, man. We'll just, <laughs> let's just play these games. And yeah. Like, you know keep you interested in stuff and mm-hmm. i was in third grade and i was like all right games hell yeah <laughs> and then he the way that he interacted with me um like and my mom made us both change our minds yes, like where, that's so cool where, you wish every doctor was like that you know and i a huge thing was that i was like i started smoking weed when i was like 14 years mm-hmm. old and that like mellowed me out but yeah. So accidental plant medicine, kind of almost. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, got, absolutely. And yeah. I, when I played football, I was a monster. After a couple bowls, like <laughs> a yeah, savage. The pain That's relief what and some. To him grappling too. So I had to stop doing it for grappling because, uh, at first I noticed that it, it actually, I wasn't. I would make stupid mistakes that you know right in the beginning, first month of trying this. Because uh, I quit drinking and I was like, well, I need something. And so right. I was like, let's see what this is about. And I kind of pushed harder into it. And I ended up started 
started grappling on it and I was like I would give my back up and be like you wouldn't have done that if you were sober but then that changed and I got good at the art of grappling while under the influence and then it really really got pushed it and I started seeing more openings that I wouldn't have seen before I'm sure I wouldn't have seen before but then what happened is I had a hip and shoulder issues oh. and my shoulder is still pretty chronic and I don't feel it on the chronic <laughs> and so what happens is i'll grapple i'll grapple out of my mind i've even done like i've done like a like a study where i'll go in on three saturdays in a row sober you know and this was in arizona and i'll do well and i won't have any problems with how i competed and then i'll go in stoned and obliterate people that i was having neck and neck round. i'm gonna tap them three four times in a round but what happens is because I can't feel my shoulder, I'll yeah. po I'll post with it, I'll push with it, and I don't feel it in the moment, and then it'll ache for three days. So I actually had to stop doing it, which has been fine. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, and also like CBD is really good, and psychedelic mushrooms are really good for like anti-inflammatory. Okay, yeah. yeah, I've never done. Yeah, so talk about your like dosing schedule with because De so, Denver just decriminalized. Um, yeah, which is so important. Yeah. I I I don't understand what because right now as it sits, if I were to have like more than a half an ounce of mushroom. I think it's any here in Idaho. I think it's any amount of mushrooms. It's it's an automatic like attempted murder charge. Right. Jesus, yeah. or on the equivalent of that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like it's like insane. Um, but um, for a really long time, I was against it, and I I remember the first time I took it, I was with one of my really good buddies, and we I don't know took like uh, an eighth of it, like which is. I mean, uh, as starter a, dose. It's smart starter. Yeah, dose, but right? I was also sixteen well, maybe half, years no, old. Half an eighth. Half an eighth is a good starter dose. It's actually right, right like one, a, like one point five or something right. like that. But I, I took a full eighth myself. Mm -hmm. It was the most disgusting thing yeah. I've ever tasted in my life. Yeah. Um, and I, I like it. Took me. I remember like it was yesterday. It took me like forty-five minutes to like chew it. Holy and like shit. swallow it. it was oh, so nasty. So too. gross. Nasty. Like it kept spitting it out. I, can, I don't even like, have a problem with it, man. I'm I'm weird like that. I can just eat shit. Oh man, oh it was so gross. I'll eat dirt. Yeah, <laughs> I I would have rather have eaten dirt. <laughs> um, we we sat there the next like thirty minutes and we're like, dude, I don't know if it's gonna do it's anything. Worthy. So we went for a walk because we heard like like getting Be your pores outside, open and right. and like getting that heat, like walking, that physical activity will help draw it out more. And I remember going behind a bush and just puking my brains out. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, we got a bad batch. They're not edible. It's like, like really like it's not poison. edible. It's yeah, it's poison. You're, yeah. It's your body telling you you got right. food poisoning. Right, like this right. is not is not good for right. you. Um, so I, I remember ducking behind a bush and just puking my brains out. And I, I was like, oh, man, like we got to go home. So we started walking again. And then like. I just remember like these flashes of light, like very vibrant, like, like stoplights were 10 times brighter than they normally yeah. were. And I just remember laughing for like, <laughs> I don't know what felt like just minutes, like just a short, but long period of yeah, time. Yeah. Where I was just like, dude, that stop sign looks so crazy. And then like we walked underneath the willow tree and it felt like the, the branches were just brushing our head. <laughs> and then I like looked up. I looked up and there was nothing there. Like we passed the willow tree like Holy miles ago. <laughs> like I just remember it just like doing this and I was like, oh, I feel so good. And the reason why I turned, I looked up is because I wanted to turn around and walk back underneath it. Right. And like, it was like, like rubbing my skin. My skin was so much softer and like, 
And then like I just went into like full hallucinogenic mode. I'm not sure how far into it we were, but I went to like full hallucinogenic mode where like stop signs were like melting or like they'll like like when you cut butter that's warm butter and it just goes Mm -hmm. like in a V. Yeah, Yeah. you're like I'm just like whoa, like we gotta get home now. So we walked all around this huge like circle in Caldwell. And I remember getting home and looking at the time and I was like, dude, we were only gone for like five minutes. No. <laughs> but it had been 12 hours right. of us yeah. walking. Yeah. Like and we looked at, it yeah. was like exactly we, five I, minutes high, after high, we left. High dose marijuana will do this, a similar thing. That's why they call it the chronic. It's that mu- freezes the moment a little bit. Oh, it's so crazy, yeah. man. And I remember when the veil lifted, like, and just like having this like, like epiphany, like this, like universal, like like understanding of things where I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, like, you know, I need to do this. I need to do this and I need to do this. And this is where my life is going to go. And, um, and it was an experience that I was like, man, I don't like the start of it. Yeah. I didn't like the hallucinogenics. I I didn't like the nasty, disgusting, like sickness feeling right right at the beginning. Um, but I do like this portion Mm -hmm. where the veil lifts and you feel like, like that clarity mm-hmm. and so for the longest time i didn't touch it again mm-hmm. until i was probably 20 22 or 23 mm-hmm. so that was like eight years later yeah and um my buddy was like hey you know we're going to this thing this concert's a mudvane concert just love mudvane is that like a rock a, band yeah that was heavy metal okay like, yeah thousand are person mosh pit. Are you a metalhead? I'm everything. Okay. I, I'll okay. listen to like classic rock, piano, yeah. like orchestrate yeah. music. Cool. I will get down with some Britney Spears even. Yeah. Like, yeah. Backstreet Boys, but yeah. I'll also listen to like gangster rap right. and like heavy, hardcore, like death metal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I got a couple Chimera, of buddies that are Pantera. That are, yeah, that are metalheads. Like, 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 yeah. de- like punch yourself in the mosh pit type metal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like let somebody like drop kick you in a mosh pit. Like hardcore, Jesus. like just fucking kill me, <laughs> sacrifice me. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, look, I and I get down with country too. Yeah. I love country. Yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> But we were going to this concert. My buddy's like, hey, dude, we're going to do some mushrooms. I'm like, no, nah, I don't I don't like that feeling. I want to like experience the concert. He's like, no, dude, check this out. We're going to do what's called a micro dose, mm-hmm. which is like 0.5, like anything between like 0.3 and 0.5 where you feel it. It opens up like your universe. Right. It opens up like your third eye and you begin to see things way differently. Mm-hmm. Like you're like things are more vibrant. You feel everything. Like you don't just listen to the music. You feel it mm-hmm. in your body. And I was like, I don't know, man. I just don't want to be sick. And he was like, Look, tell you what, if you get sick and this fucks you up, we could go. We could leave. Yeah. That's but cool. if it like opens you up, you gotta promise me that this is something that you're gonna do with me more. Yeah. So I was like, ah, you know, I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> so he crushed it up, like crushed, mm-hmm. like grinded. Grinded. Yeah like super fine, like a powdery yeah. substance. And then he puts like this tea stuff in it. Yeah. And it like mm. mixes around and it's super clear. There's not like even particles in it. Yeah. And I drink it. Boom. I was like, dude, that did not taste horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like that was not gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was amazing. And then like halfway through the drive, we were heading to the arena. And I was like, 
I feel really good, man. He's like, this is the peak. Like, mm-hmm. this is what you're going to feel like for the next five hours. Yeah. I was like, really? Oh, wow. That's that Hell yeah. So I was like yeah, in the yeah. mosh pit and I was like, like, I just remember like when that bass hit on, there's a song dig. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll show it to you and you'll see what I mean. Like there's <laughs> where the bass hit, like I can feel it like, hit my face and then like reverberate. Yeah. It goes like, like ripples yeah and i was like oh my god which is actually happening you know like as far as the physics of sound waves are you know (laughs) but i felt like i literally i felt it boom yeah and my body's like in waves and i'm like i i'm in love with this feeling right now yeah and so i started to do that and a lot of rappers will do it Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of writers will do it Mm -hmm. for like for like mental clarity maybe and that's stuff the way like it was cre- supposed to be done. maybe that's yeah. the way it was supposed to be done you know as far as like how we've been doing them for the last 10,000 years who knows that's the same thing that's happened with weed is like there's dabs Overdose. and stuff with massive mm-hmm. overdoses of a substance where it's like I don't think that's the intended use yeah. for that stuff yeah absolutely and alcohol like, alcohol like too we, we abuse alcohol uh, more than anything nationally, else nationally you know worldwide. like worldwide, worldwide yeah absolutely yeah. and we, oh, we abuse it so much to the point where it's like taboo mm-hmm. for it's like starting to turn into that where it's like taboo to drink over a certain amount. But like, you know, that feeling you get when you like are it is opening changing. up. Have you felt a shift in alcohol culture in the last 10 Absolutely. years? Absolutely. I have too in a positive Absolutely. direction. I and think. it probably has a lot to do with like how, how many states are, are mm-hmm. legalizing mm-hmm. THC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the global connectivity, the videos and stuff and the, the stats that are getting deaths. stronger and all the deaths and stuff like yeah, that. And I mean, yeah. what like you, you go to a party and you take a like a, a drink – like one drink and then you know you you start to open up and stuff and that's it you cap yourself at that right that party is freaking awesome you you feel you you feel more connected to the people that you're vomiting and dehydrated but on the uh, on the opposite hand like if you do too much of it that the rest of that night's miserable you wake up the next day you are you could wake up in jail man yeah walk out in traffic it's that's the same thing with everything right you know what i mean like you you go and you you overuse you know marijuana and you do something stupid or you can't drive you're inhibited mm-hmm. and you crash into somebody right. and you kill them like that's the same thing same deal. Yeah. Yeah. so or you like it's like overusing food overusing <laughs> oh, caffeine dude, caffeine oh, like yeah. sure. that that guy that drank like 20 red bulls and his heart exploded yeah. like, yeah, dude, like that's true. the right. caffeine's it's a drug true. too 100 yeah, you know I mean? percent it's, it's so so it's one of those things. That's like the you, most abused drug in the world, actually. Oh yeah, caffeine. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And and uh, like I started, to, I started to do these micro doses like every every twice a week. And I, yeah. I mean, I notice a lot. Like like my mind is healthier, so it mm. makes my body healthier. Yeah. Like my my atychophobia has got like, it's, I suffer from it constantly, but it's at at times it's almost non-existent. Mm. Like. Well, I'll go to the gym. I'll, I'm so focused on the material that I don't even focus on the fact that this material can like lead me to a loss. Right. You know, right. like okay, well, if, if I do this and this happens and I lose this right, match, you right, know, and, right. and like a- atychophobia is like the feeling like you're gonna lose no matter what you do, mm, no matter what preparations hopeless. you take. Yeah. Like there's no, you're gonna fail. Yeah. It's it's gonna happen no matter yeah. what. Like I remember losing a match in a huge tournament coming in second to just a monster and losing to him by the least amount of points anybody that year's lost to the guy mm-hmm. and and bawling and crying because I just failed I failed mm-hmm. again there's another notch in my belt right and um, and like the way that I feel now about competition so much different since 
like I started to microdose. Yeah. Like microdosing has changed my opinion on a lot of things mm-hmm. in life. Changed my opinion on like like people who I view are used to view as like just potheads, stoners. Mm-hmm. Um, now I employ a lot of like people that would be back then I would consider pothead, right. like stoner, low life type right. people. And you realize like they're just as motivated as everybody else. They just don't have a chance <laughs> right. at a lot of places because a lot of places UA. Right. And then they, they lose their jobs or like they don't have something to be motivated about. Yeah. And Meanwhile, I, someone with a clean UA is hammering down drinks every night until they black out. You know, yeah, and then they co- and then they come to work the next day. They wreck into somebody right. coming to work, or they don't want to work. They have a headache. Yeah. You know, it's like hey, yeah, it's such a culturally prescribed ideals about yeah. drugs. I have or, or I have two things. guys right now. I won't mention their names, yeah, but it, they're gonna <laughs> listen to this. Podcast. <laughs> they smoke a dab every morning, yep. and in between every single drop, and yep. those are the two hardest working kids yeah. I've had I've ever go. employed. Yeah. Ever in my life. Everyone has a different brain. They have a different yeah. set of cards they're playing with. And they found if they've found out how to play those cards effectively, hey, who are, who are we to say that's not right or that's not the right way to do things? But, like know? I think all drugs have the ability to be like an uh, like a, a personality suppressant mm-hmm. or like a personality like multiplier. I agree. Like, uh, like magnifier. And I think that that the THC like effectiveness in weed is that multi like personality multiplier mm-hmm. like i think joe rogan said it best like if you're a piece of shit when you're not using drugs you're <laughs> going to be an even bigger piece of shit using drugs shit, yeah right? exactly yeah. it's not going to make you like right. any better yeah. you know just like normal people who go to work go stop by dutch bros in the morning to get coffee to not be a piece of shit for right. work right they're like yeah. if they didn't have caffeine they would be a huge piece of oh, shit they would be mean. worthless <laughs> you know what i mean like it's that's the same thing yeah. like some like these kids use that to like you know numb maybe the soreness in their body right. or to to kind of make their their per- personalities blossom mm-hmm. where before like both of them are extreme introverts like mm-hmm. they don't leave their house yeah they one kid's like one of the baddest ass like war zone players i've ever seen in my <laughs> life like it's like like i i have sat and watched him play and it's like i go in this trance where i'm like how the fuck do you kill like five people back to back like like i can't even move the sticks fast enough right i'm like <laughs> dude i just died i'm like yeah. the first guy to yeah. die every yeah. time yeah but like it's like incredible like his mind works like that puzzle right. he figures out that puzzle so <laughs> fast it's like and that's what people don't get is this. That's why. That's why I think all drugs should be legal. I, I think that you know, there's no such thing as you shouldn't. You shouldn't have uh, doing drugs to your own body should not put you in a cell. That's insane. I agree. Who, who are you damaging besides? I mean, obviously there's emotional fallout and stuff like that. But unless you're committing a crime, you know, or like driving, stealing, while driving, you know, killing people, all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's really like, man, that's not the right way to go about that issue. Uh, and then the fact that minds are so di- everyone's mind is so dynamic that whatever concoction, if it is, I mean, some people don't you don't you don't need drugs or I mean, people that are on drugs might not need them either. It's just it's such a presumptuous thing that to make a substance illegal. Yeah, it is. It's thinking that everyone has the same mind. You yeah. know, it's that because this did this to me, it must do it to everyone else. Mm-hmm. It must. Yeah, it but must. but look such at a selfish ego driven perspective look at on it. ADD and look at and look at Adderall. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's who doesn't have like who doesn't actually true. have that chemical yep, imbalance, they yeah. get high. Yep. 
they use it as a party drug. Right. They get high. They they right. they feel Talk that feeling. Somebody ADD who yeah, just, somebody who uses out. ADD who doesn't have right. yeah or no who does have ADD who right. like is legitimately like like a, has attention deficit. Right. They can't focus yeah. for more than a couple seconds yeah. at a time when they use. The ADD medication yeah. that it fo- it makes them focus. Yeah, so that's yeah. a great example. You could sleep on it. Yeah. I can I could sleep on yeah. Adderall. Yeah, I fall asleep drinking five hour energies. Yeah. I I fall asleep on on Rhino Rush. Yeah, like Jesus. if if you can if you, know, you ask exa- my wife like she'll, <laughs> I'll pound two Rhino Rushes, go to practice, come home and sleep like hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a same I have a similar when I am under the influence of marijuana, I, it's like Adderall. Mm-hmm. It's like what you would think about Yeah, it's Adderall. an upper. Yeah, like, what are you on? I, dude, I was, like, at WS, I I was in Pullman and some guy walked up to me. I used a vaporizer and I was just, just you know, a couple pulls off of vaporizer and I was talking a million miles an hour. And he's like, what are you on? I'm like, oh. Get some. I was just like, just some, just some, uh, I, 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 I use a Buddha vaporizer, you know, and he's just like, well, bullshit. I don't believe you. I'm like, well, it's the truth. And he's like, give me some of what you got. And I'm like, I, 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 my house is down there. I'll go show you. Like, I promise. And he was just like, fuck you, dude. He thought I was just being a dickhead. And I'm like, I don't know where we go from here. We just kind of separated. And then we separated away from each other in the street. And then we ended up walking to the same party. So I'm like, oh, hi. And he just like fucking looked away and like shook his head. And I'm like, oh, I don't. If that's the beginning of But that's a, happened to you multiple times. Yeah, but not like this. This was a little weirder and different. He was like almost aggressive with it. And I'm like, yeah, but other people are like, what did your friend take? Right, you know, yeah, and it's just, yeah, just like, an edible, and I'll just, sh- just, and, you know, yeah, for that's hours, that's that that's right that up. chemical imbalance rebalancing itself. Yeah, and I think I, mean? I have, you know, I have I have a actual disorder to uh, dermotillomania. It's just a skin picking disorder. Oh wow, yeah, like a, like a compulse, like a, a compulsive, full on yeah. compulsion. It comes from my mom, and her mom had it before her. And I started in seventh grade, and I cannot stop. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's, it's like you you get a like a little like skin tag, and you pick it off, or it's like not, it's like that kind of. But mine is specifically with zits. It's with like a zit, and I'll go, I'll strain my back in a mirror for an hour, sitting there going, is looking all over my face from top to bottom, scanning. He and, doesn't uh, really have. Acne. And I don't have a problem with acne. Thank Christ. If I had a problem with acne, it would be, I would look. It would, yeah, scar, it, scars for yeah. days for sure. Um, no, I. I had a really good friend's little sister who had that same so thing. So females like, actually have it like eighty percent more often than males. Actually, yeah. So yeah. she, yeah, she would do the same thing where mm-hmm. she would like, like it was with her eyebrows. So that's called trick. That's called trichotillomania. It's the same center of the brain as dermotillomania, but I don't have the hair pulling compulsion. Only the skin yeah, picking. Yeah. So she would like. Yeah, she would like deal. go. All like it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This, like there, there were times she had to get. Um, it's a dopamine rush, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Crazy. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I, so I have um, like really bad levels of OCD in certain aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I, I brush my teeth like a hundred times a day. Yeah. I have a toothbrush in every vehicle that Damn. I drive. Um, I, I brush my teeth like three times in the morning. Like if I feel like anything, anything on yeah. my teeth, I'll brush them. Mm-hmm. Never had a cavity in my life, but mm-hmm. I have, I have like brushed the enamel completely off my oh, teeth yeah. to the point where my dentist when I was young like was like yeah you you need like enamel replacement therapy like every oh, yeah. six months yeah. because your teeth are going to stain yeah. which in certain parts they have yeah but like I've never it's one of those things like I like I have a nasty mouth if I feel like my mouth is gross like mm-hmm. I came here with with a brand new gum. thing yeah. of gum because yeah. I, I just ran out and I can't not have like what I feel is like a nasty tasting, yeah. right. smelling, right. like looking mouth. I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. It makes me feel so disgusting. Yeah. 
the next time that you're we're grappling, ask me to open my mouth, and I have a I will have a piece of gum. Yeah, yeah. It, I've never not yeah. because it's just like in my brain. I'm like that's disgusting. Yeah, and it is a little bit gross, you know. And and you but that that idea can can get unchecked and get fully unbalanced and stuff. That's oh, what OCD is. Is where I think a lot of the time it's and it's the enabling that happens, and people don't realize you're ena- you're enabling somebody and you're making their their um like compulsion worse trigger, like you're trigger, you're yeah, yeah you're you're absolutely mm-hmm. like you know like like you with coffee you may not be as compulsive as i am but like if i brought you a coffee every morning right. you or know s- you're 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 feeding into that compulsion or if someone mentions right. a zit or they show me a zit popping video yeah. or anything like or that people are like, like oh, oh your teeth look so clean yeah absolutely like you have, you have such a beautiful mouth yeah. like i can't like your smile is incredible i yeah. hear that a lot yeah like because my teeth are completely straight right well my teeth up here are yeah. Um, down here, it looks like I'm throwing gang signs. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, when when I hear that, like it's that feeding into that yeah. into that compulsion that really and like, like a subconscious. Yeah, thing you too, you you feel like you're you're showing somebody that you love them, but really you're enabling mm-hmm. their their yeah, activity. Don't know that, yeah. And my my you know my wife will buy me a pack of gum and whatnot, and it's like like mentally she thinks like okay, well it's just my husband wants they needs gum. Like I'm like ah, you know I'm like for you know weeks straight, but yeah. yeah, it's like I've it's just one of those things like people don't realize like there's like five different aspects that feeds into like mm-hmm. like somebody's anxiety or compulsion. Yeah. That's like family, that's um that's like your pos- yeah your position in the family. Mm-hmm. It's your um your like people enabling you. It's like your past experiences, your current experiences, mm-hmm. and your your like nobody's ability to tell you that it's wrong like like those five about the future yeah so that's one of those things like like that feed into compulsion and Mm -hmm. like like anxiety disorders and people don't realize like people who have anxiety disorders it's a chemical embodiment like it's chemical it's genetic it's not we're seeing that more and more as the science affects your whole system it affects your gi system absolutely yeah i have really bad anxiety your skin think about think about how women on on one going through their cycle get acne like that Mm -hmm. is a direct example of hormones and skin and brain and it's all yeah and then and then you have the people that are like you know the girls who are so worried about how they look in Mm -hmm. public or whatever Whatever, when people are like oh you're so beautiful like mm-hmm. like don't Eating don't change it and yeah. then and then they're like secretly like yeah making themselves puke at, at night yeah. or not and, eating and or, men too and that's the thing and then yeah. and then on the men's side it's not it's not accepted. it's not accepted it's or talked about talk and so about, then they're yeah. in a different situation it's crazy and that's why it's important to to be soft to be gentle mm-hmm. it does just because you can kill people with your hands with the you know greatest of ease it, well it, and that's it's that's humbling. the that's the most important thing that I that I try to I make sure that I do every day, is that I like we grew up in a generation where talking about your feelings is like the worst thing you mm-hmm. can do, and and I grew up that way too, and I was like so afraid to like express my emotions or why I'm so frustrated and like uh, wh- you know people would call me emotional when I would cry after a wrestling match mm-hmm. or after a game that I it's lost like adren- it's but crazy. but it's Very like emotional. yeah it, absolutely but I'm like I played my heart out like mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you didn't play your heart out <laughs> yeah. and that you have nothing to lose in this in this game there's no skin yeah. in the game for you it's yeah. just a football game You're but right. for me I'm those two people over there that I call my parents when they talk about me, they talk about this game yeah. they're going to mention the fact that we lost and yeah. that's going to break me because I'm looking that's 
that was the main reason for a very long time why I was so successful is because of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted the way that they saw me was of this fucking savage who right. just won things and, and was badass. Yeah. yeah. And so that was also part of that that like mental, emotional, physiological embodiment mm-hmm. of my anxiety disorder, yeah. my fucking atypophobia. It's kind of funny because like when I I told my dad I wanted to wrestle in eighth grade, and he was like, oh, I don't know, I think you'll get hurt, and he didn't let me wrestle. And I'm like, Well, what? You know, I was like hair on my chest, and I was really angry as a huge 160 pound eighth grader. Like Jesus, Christ. yeah, I was in, enormous. I mean, I was almost this size as like a as like a ninth grader, eighth and ninth grade. I was like fully developed in. And Jesus anyway, then when, when, <laughs> and then when getting when into I, bars at when, 14 years old, <laughs> and then when I got, you know, when I finally got in, there was no, there wasn't that expert. He was like, let's like, he didn't quite fully understand it, but he really wanted the best for me. And so I was fully intrinsically motivated, you know, as a different perspective that I wanted to win for me, not for really anyone else. And I saw a lot of kids where I could see the pressure on yeah. them and, and, uh. and, you know, beating them. I'm like, fuck, like that was... That's Harder terrible, them, yeah. You know, the parents watching, or their their dad was a wrestling coach. They've been wrestling for much longer than me, and all this. It was it was much different, and I liked that. And maybe I'll carry some of that into you know how I be a parent. You know that if you don't want to do this, if this isn't fun for you, quit. Yeah, and you know, that's we'll one else. that's one conversation I had my senior year that changed the dynamic of every single wrestling match I had after this conversation. I had one of my coaches who like looked at me, and I lost my first match of the year, and I was like. I don't know, like 20 something to know at this mm-hmm. point. And I was like smoking dudes. And yeah. I lost to a three time state champion, two time national champion oh, from yeah. California by two points oh, yeah. by Jesus. a freaking takedown. Jesus. Like he took me down and I jumped out to the outside of the mat and I thought I was safe. And he ended up putting his foot back in the mat or else we would have went into overtime. He mm-hmm. like his foot came up and then it came back down in the circle and got his two points. And like, I lost my mind. And yeah. I like went to the locker room. I was punching the lockers. Oh, yeah. And I had this coach come up to me and ask me like, like, is this even fun for you? Yeah. Like, why do you do this to yourself? I was a wrestling match against a really good guy. Yeah. He scored less points on you than he has against anybody else in his entire wrestling career. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And you put him in trouble. Yeah. Like, why doesn't that click right. stronger than the fact that you just lost to somebody right. you were probably not supposed to be in the first place? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of like, it like flipped something, not completely at this point, but it right. flipped something in my brain. Yeah. Planted the seed. And I just, I just went ham mm. the rest of my wrestling season. <laughs> I took first in state. The guy that I lost to, I smoked him in two tournaments in a row. <laughs> like, I just like I was a state champion and I felt amazing. Then I then I had fights and like my my life was semi different. Yeah, that's I mean, those are big things. That's why sports are important. It doesn't have to be delivered in sports. It can be delivered in anything. Music. I don't care. Training yeah, I, in other ways. You know, it's just it's yeah. about those those role models are so important. And it know? seems like the more we talk about all of this stuff, I feel like it just comes back full circle. Yeah. It's so not much. Just, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not just martial arts. It's life. You know, yeah. martial arts are just an expression of the life, right. the, the great at large, you know, you can yeah. do it with everything. It doesn't have, like we're saying, it doesn't have to be with martial arts. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I, I, I realize a lot of these things and I'm more cognizant of, of these things because of the micro dosing, mm-hmm. to be honest, like yeah, I'm so yeah. much more aware right. of these things. Like b- before I couldn't really put my words into it. I mm-hmm. couldn't put really put my thought into it enough because I just wasn't open to the idea right. just yet. And mm-hmm. a lot of it, 
um, like the extra stuff came when I had a son, mm-hmm. you know, my son is five now. So for the last five years, I've been a dad to a son mm-hmm. where I want him to succeed. I want him to grow. I want him to do all these great things. But at the same time, I don't want him to be great at the things that I'm great at. If he doesn't want to do right. those things, that's, that's I don't it, want yeah, him that's... to be great at the things that I, me and his mom want him to be great at. Mm-hmm. And of course I want him to wrestle. I want him to play football, you know, do MMA. I want him to, you know, just straight be a savage on the wrestling mats or the football field. But if he doesn't want to be those things and he's not happy doing those things, Mm -hmm. I don't want him doing them because I want to be happy because he's happy and I want him to succeed because he wants to see. I don't, I don't ever want him to succeed. You don't want him to feel like he's disappointing you. And that's like, yeah. For example, like my dad, he's a huge hunter and he was like so excited for Austin and I, my brother to turn 12. So we could go hunting with him. We did like, hunter's education all this stuff and we neither of us are just we're just not really into it like we've gone hunting a lot of times and we're not into it but like it makes me sad knowing that that's like disappointing to him right because yeah. he's so into yeah. it and i had yeah, the same and, thing with like yeah. golf my dad's like, and, like a big time golfer photography and like he i think he was better at accepting like oh shit like he's just not into it uh but i could still feel that like man he really wanted me to be into it you know yeah i i uh Mine was the opposite. I don't think my my stepdad really knew what he wanted for me. Mm-hmm. He just knew what he didn't want for yeah, me. Yeah. And when he when I found football and wrestling and I was just naturally really good at mm-hmm. these things because of my judo and and yeah. my my like mentality too. Yeah, like yeah, my mentality. Mm-hmm. Like I had to f- kill everything mentality in mm-hmm. football. Like I like I remember one specific play my senior year where I got my helmet knocked off my face. <laughs> And I, I dove into a pile for a tackle no. with no helmet, like, like bleeding, cracked open skull. And I got up, put my helmet on, snapped it back on. The ref's like, you have one, you got to sit out one play if you helmet came off. And I'm like, took it off. Like, I just remember like walking to the sideline. My coach is like, you're fucking animal, buddy. What is wrong with you? Like I was a hype man all of the sideline videos that they would take for my school. Like I was the one getting oh. my sideline in our, on our home crowd or like on the away crowd, like just lit up. And, um, That's I would go out and just smoke people just mm-hmm. straight. Like, I don't know. It was just the monstrous, like, I don't think I could be as good a football player now with my mentality right now right. as I was back then. Yeah. Cause yeah. I just walked around with a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I fucking, I need this. Right. Like, this is my way out of this hell. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. And then now it's more like, man, I have such a beautiful life. Right. Like, I, yeah. I have everything. Everything in my life is paid off. Like, yeah. everything. Like, I have a, an amazing wife. I have the most perfect kids. Yeah. I have a beautiful house. I have a beautiful family. I have great friends yeah. and people that I love. I go to the gym and do the things that I love all the time. Uh-huh. And I have no regrets on the things that I've done. Just learning experiences. Yeah, right? you know what I mean? here to this point, yeah. So it's like, you know, like, could I ever go back to that mindset? Maybe if I lost things right. that I was, Some that I loved. Really dark or whatever. Yeah, but would I put myself there right now? No, that yeah, was exactly, like, exactly, that was yeah. fucking that was terrible. Yeah. That was <laughs> yeah. dark. Like, yeah. I remember... I remember, like, times where I was like, I'm going to take this dude's life. Like, having that, mm-hmm. like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking punish this dude's soul. Yeah. 
type mentality. I was like, dude, that's a dark, like, <laughs> like I, you know, like yeah. I fought friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like since then I fought one of my greatest mentors of my life, Scott Tomac. Yeah. You know, he fought Scott. Yeah. That's I went, crazy. I went in there. I went in there with the Scott. mentality like, dude, I'm like, they feel like I'm on the same level as this guy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's a fucking cool. accomplishment. Cool guy, I, that's dude. We talked that entire fight. Yeah. yeah. Like he asked me how I was doing, how the how yeah. my wife was with yeah. the pregnancy, how my daughter was. Yeah. It's like, hey, how you doing, buddy? While well, he's ha- hammer fisting me in the face, <laughs> yeah. and I'm smiling and I'm doing really good, man. Yeah. Was, yeah. My I can't believe my wife's about to have a kid, and he's like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> dude, hammer fisting me. Like, <laughs> Like, I truly believe he didn't stop and sub me in that fight because we were having a really deep conversation at, <laughs> at fucking 15 minutes. we having dude. a great time. Like, at one point, I sat back and, like, you know, laid back while he was punching me. Yeah, I was like, you had oh, him in a deep, deep heel hook a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, we, dude, it was amazing. It was a good fight. It was, like, probably one of the most special fights of my life because uh, I got to test myself in a combat situation against somebody who i look up to and i I love just a true i I love just his his just fucking life story is incredible dude he's so cool we were thinking about getting him you need you need to bro like this guy is one of the most incredible people i've ever met in my life i love this dude with all my heart like i would i would walk through fucking fire bullets and razor blades just just to fucking give this guy a hug yeah Yeah. like i love scott with all my heart do you have any other questions I don't think so. We covered yeah. a vast array oh my of gosh. topics. It's awesome. And it all came back together, yeah. <laughs> and it, I'm happy. It's like a happy ending. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, like you're good. Like you're the best type of massage parlor. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. only you know what's crazy is you're 30 years old, man. This is just the fucking beginning. Yeah. This is only the first round. It's is the end of the first round. Think so about that. One one thing that I really do want to touch on yeah, is yeah, like yeah. I want my biggest like philosophical like like take away from this that mm-hmm. I want people to get is like everything in my entire life that I've ever wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. I have not let anything stand in my way mm-hmm. from achieving it. I wanted to be a firefighter. I, I was a firefighter. I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I go and talk to kids about, you know, like these experiences in my life and how not to be a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I wanted to have a beautiful family. I wanted to run a successful business and I wanted to, fight professionally in an, in a sport that I'm really good at and I mm-hmm. I get to do those things and I've done yeah. those things everything that I've ever wanted to achieve I've not let money or the lack of what I felt like the lack of time in a day was mm-hmm. or, I, or like resources support, yeah. or su- mm-hmm. support I've never ever in my life let that deter me from accomplishing something that I want to accomplish I was a state champion in wrestling and up until that, I was 18. That was my big, biggest goal in life. Mm-hmm. Was I wanted to be a state champion That's so wrestler. That's too for the high school wrestling. And you wrestled wrestling. in college too, right? I, I didn't wrestle in college. Oh, okay. Could have. Um, I I went to the Marine Corps and got. Oh shit! Um, I, didn't know that. I got injured and left without seeing like a day of battle or anything Which, cool hey man that, that's, you don't know yeah. i spent you know months and months in recovery and what happened how were you injured so i we were uh we were actually on a like a uh field exercise mm-hmm. and i was we were laying down in this like booth type thing and somebody swung a door not even something cool somebody <laughs> swung a door open and i hyperextended my knee 
and I walked on it back. So what you do what's called humps. Like yeah, we did like right. a twelve mile hump. Ruck sack on Yeah, your with with an eighty pound ruck. Yeah. Um Jeez. which holds like your MRE, your first aid kit, water. your clothes, your water, your boots, yeah. like extra boots, socks, all that stuff. Um and uh and we like we had a twelve mile um hump back to like camp to base and uh like by that time I just destroyed the all of the ligaments in my knee and ended up spending all that time and back in what's called uh, MRP Marine Rehabilitation Platoon and mm. it was the stupidest dumbest thing that like, ever yeah. that ever happened in my life and since then I've had like you know 30 knee injuries on my right knee and Jesus. like 17 on my left knee just Jesus. shitty shitty stuff but i mean it was a, a great experience i just would have never if i had the chance to go back i don't think i'd ever do it again yeah mm-hmm. just because i i hated boot camp and i hated soi because what's soi uh school of infantry okay. it's like the what you go like you go to um you go to uh um, boot camp for 13 weeks and you go to SOI and then okay. depending on if you're specializing yeah depending on if you're like a like a grunt or like you have a different school you go to mm-hmm. SOI and then go to your school okay. or you just go to like infantry training yeah but um yeah it was so brutal like mentally taxing yeah. and like my had like thousands and thousands of atypophobia flare-ups oh, during yeah. boot camp where I was like yeah, you know, like I was like number one in this, number one in that, but last place in this area, mm-hmm. or last place in this area. Um, I remember getting called on in one of our classes, and they were asking questions about um, like the, the uh, characteristics of uh, M16A2 service rifle, mm-hmm. and I, I don't like in my brain I knew what it was, but the words didn't come out oh, fuck. right, and I still remember like to this day because they. Every day in line before you hit chow, they'll like line you up and start asking you random shit right. like, "What's your you know this? MOS what's this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's the um, uh, characteristics of an M1682 service right, rifle? Right. It's keyword LM gas, lightweight, magazine fed, gas operated, air cooled, shoulder fired oh, weapon, sir. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then like you fuck up and say sir yes sir and they're like you fucking sir sandwich me motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like no sir I I sir. Yeah. Say I'm an idiot ten times I'm an idiot sir I'm an idiot sir I'm an idiot. Oh that was terrible. Yeah, so like I was like, sound like the best I've heard that thing for you mentally. Yeah, me- mentally wasn't I I felt though like after boot camp like I was gonna be this badass ass marine like you mm-hmm. cannot like I was born and bred mm-hmm. for the Marine Corps because that chip that I held on my shoulder and then I realized shortly after that like I wasn't yeah I was not like I would have I would have killed people right. like I would have killed people yeah, in you my might platoon not be here in this. yeah might, might have saved your life yeah. if you got an injury that hyperextension knee injury might have been the best yeah, thing that well and it could have saved the other people in my platoon's lives mm-hmm. you know I I don't think that I like now I know now as an adult there are certain people that I would give my life for no questions asked not even a, not even a second of hesitation mm-hmm. like there's like a circle of people um, that includes Scott Tomans, mm-hmm. Tomats, uh, Brandon, my wife, my kids like a small mm-hmm. circle of people that I would like I said no hesitation give my life for um, but back then I didn't feel that way about the yeah. people that I should have felt that right. way about. Yeah, you're like I was like, Dude, you're, basically. you're, you're a fucking unit. stranger. Right, right. I, I have nothing, nothing right. to, 
nothing to um to like prove to you. Right. Yeah. Like you're just a random fucking guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, and they tried the right, to build that camaraderie. Right. Yeah, for sure. That mindset is not good. Right. And I like back home I didn't even have those people. Mm-hmm. I did not have those people here. So why would you build yeah. them in 16 a complete weeks? fucking <laughs> stranger? Yeah. I don't fucking know you guy. Right. Yeah. I'm fucking trust that you have my <laughs> yeah. back. What the yeah, fuck? That, Hell that's no. A crazy perspective I never thought about. Yeah, and I'm supposed I to feel str- that way. I would struggle with that too. I'd be like, no. I, yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know what they've done, who they are. Yeah, now like they're a good person. My yeah. like my closest friends, my my like the people that I love the most, they should be the people that I see every day and train with. Mm-hmm. But for the most part it's not. Like I don't feel that way about certain people that I train with. But I'm there because I I love the sport and I love the fact that I'm helping them better their life. Mm-hmm. And like at times I've had to feel selfish. But I tried to feel that way. I've tried to develop those relationships. Yeah. But I just realized that they don't feel the same way about me in that like situation. Why would I ever right. spend that time and energy on those same people? I, you're not, it's not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You Feeling that way about somebody and them not feeling that way about you is probably the biggest... That's a shitty like, feeling. It's, yeah. it's the failure that I hate feeling the most. Yeah. You know, And so like I, I put only certain people in that realm yeah. of my life yeah, now. Yeah, those friendships are very special. Are. Yeah, absolutely. I have only a few people like that. Yeah. And it just, you like, really only need a couple. I, I, one of my lines is, one friend is a lot of friends. You know, it's yeah. like really one really, really good friend that you can talk to and share things with. And Well, and I, there's people in my life that I'm like, like this dude has done this for me. He's done this and this and this, or mm-hmm. this gal has done this and this and this. And they've earned that spot in my life. Mm-hmm. Like one of my buddies who was my, one of my old foreman that I just moved on to a better spot in the company. Like that dude's there as early as I'm there every day. I get up at three o'clock every single morning. Jeez. Like, and Dang. it's been that way since before I could even remember waking up later. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, every day I'm grinding because yeah. I, if I stop moving, if I take a week off, my You're body tired. just shrivels yeah. up. <laughs> You're like, oh. Dude, that's, like, that's I try to straighten my legs and I hear my whole face and back and neck <laughs> popping. That's actually what was one of the demises of my like martial arts body is I stopped for two months and I did nothing but oh, smoke cigarettes and eat sugar. And I <laughs> went Spain. back in Spain and I went back to try to go back to the, the same level that I left off at. And I seriously injured my shoulder, which would have never oh. had all those stabilizer muscles were atrophied. And yeah. you couldn't tell from the outside, but it, it, it hurt. before, before I started seeing uh, Anthony Oberti from whole health chiropractic sponsorship, shout out. <laughs> um, I had to do stretches to get out of bed. Yeah, Jesus. Fucking stretches and like warm ups at 27, 28 years yeah. old. Like, I had to do I like bet. the little, yeah. the little like hand yeah. over, right leg over left. Or whatever, yeah. Oh my God, dude. And then just my body's just a little, it, I'm in a different state now. I'm in a more yeah. comfortable state. Yeah. So. I'm happy. I've honestly thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah, this has been great, man. It's awesome. Being... I'm excited to share Daryl yeah. Flores with the the world at large. Yeah, you already is... have an influence here in, in Idaho and Boise and stuff, but we have listeners from different countries. Oh, I'm sure stuff. that like this is going to be a perspective shift for like so many people mm-hmm. that listen to this because so many people that listen to this are like privileged fucking people who haven't yeah. really had to have any hard times or know? they're in the hard times and they don't know what it and they could need be that on the inspiration. other side you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i i look at the stuff that i went through and i'm like dude that's like 
like normal for all the kids that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And then I hear stories like about the stuff that other people go through and I'm like, dude, I didn't I haven't been through shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just right. impressive. Like it's crazy. You can come out on the other end and like yeah. be such a peaceful seeming person. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, a father and a lover and a yeah. fighter and all that I've stuff. been yeah, I've been told like I'm I look like I'm rough around the edges, but like I mean, I give my friends hugs. I've, you got I've your never, tattoos. Yeah, I just look like I just have that like I'm a kill you look, you know, like I just got out of prison. But like I tell all my friends I love them before mm-hmm. I leave them. Like I, I'll like, hey, I love you, bro. Have a good day, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I tell all of the guys that I've moved on that I built a relationship with, I love them. Mm-hmm. You know, and for, for grown men to hear that mm-hmm. from other grown men, it's mm-hmm. weird. But once you start hearing that, they're like, man, that's... Incredible. Feels good. It feels yeah. Really good. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. as a as a guy, you need to hear mm-hmm. that from other men. Mm-hmm. Like, like you need to hear that. Like that, uh, you know, that that ability to to give somebody that affirmation, mm-hmm. like they're cared about and they're loved. As a man, mm-hmm. it's hard to give, but when you start giving it, you will see a like a shift in dynamic yeah. from other men. Like it's important to Brandon let. Kind of has that with his, some of his friends, and like mm-hmm. at first, it's kind of like awkward, but he's. You, you talk about not even sometimes. not even anymore. Yeah, so, it gets you know, better. Like you guys, yeah. it's Just, like a regular. You never thing know now. when it might be the last time you tell that's, it to them. You that's know? exactly like I've lost way too many friends. Yeah. I've lost my buddy Omar, um, who was my best friend. We were going to make it to the UFC together, or at least that's what we thought at 21, 22 years right. old. Um, you know, my buddy Sean Heckathorn passed away. Just I've lost lost yeah. way too many friends to you know my my judo coach. Mm-hmm. Um, right. My, there you go. My first manager and one of my best friends ever, Doug Alvaro, had a major heart attack a couple years ago. And you just never know Mm -hmm. when the last time you – and I told that man I loved him every time I talked to him. You know, he's the first – First sponsorship I ever got was Doug Alvaro, you know, sponsored me, SubmissionArts.com. He got me a sponsorship with with Tap Out, which is a clothing sponsorship only because they didn't do the – the non UFC fighter sponsorship. So they just sent me a bunch of clothes and stuff yeah. and bodybuilding.com. Um, yeah. Uh, rev gear. Just, he got me set up when I was 16 to like 19 years old. And you say rev gear? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. And he, he, uh, happenstance wearing a rev gear shirt. He, uh, yeah, he was, he was one of my best friends. We talked about a lot of deep stuff. He was the first person to actually like, really believe in me and believe that I would do these great things before anybody outside my family did. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, you are something special and you're going to do something special. He, he created the name fighters and friends, which is my nonprofit organization where we go to schools and talk about anti-bullying, nice. like, like drug and, oh, and suicide cool. prevention yeah. and stuff. Really good at that. that's, that's, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's the one that came up with that name. He's like really the premise that was all that stuff was built around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, Kids will listen to a pro fighter, man. You're like, oh, absolutely. I have, He's badass. I have this, <laughs> like, I have this platform that not that nobody has. You right, know, like right. normal people just don't have that platform to say, hey, don't do bad stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, you gotta yeah. put that message out there. And uh, sure. losing him was really hard. You know, and yeah. then I lost my grandfather uh, the day before my birthday when I I was turning 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. The day before my 26th birthday, I lost my grandfather and. Just a lot of stuff, man. Losing yeah, a lot of people, and you. like I'm just not willing to do that without telling people I love them first. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. leaving so. them in a good spot. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for coming over and yeah. chatting. If you guys aren't, really cool. and you guys didn't glean this from the podcast, Daryl Flores is 
one of the best, if not the best martial artists I've ever come across in my training. And I've trained in Arizona, I've trained in Washington, I've trained in Spain, I've trained in Idaho. So I wouldn't say that lightly. I mean it. <laughs> uh, dangerous, dangerous human being in the best way. Uh, yeah. Do you want to plug your shit? <laughs> your uh, Instagram or no? Oh yeah, throw your Instagram. Yeah, uh, you don't I don't. I don't even remember my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the it's Fiesta One Fifty Five or something. Okay, yeah. Daryl yeah. Flores Facebook. Follow yeah, me. Yeah, well, we can throw it in the description. Anyway. Yeah, that would be dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm into this Pokemon Go kick right now. Like just. <laughs> Made level. I never do stuff half ass. Shout out to Zack Schneider. So, friend him on. Wait, he's, can a, he's the guy. On Pokemon Go? Yeah, just okay, uh, just him. just message me on Facebook and I'll give you my my friend code. I have, <laughs> I'll clear some guys out because I have too many friends. Awesome. Uh, I made level forty in like fifteen days shy of three months, which is like stupid fast. It's like the highest level you can get. <laughs> I've won like I've won like three hundred like legendary raids. Yeah. Get at me. We, <laughs> we go hard. We really appreciate having you on. I think it was an awesome, awesome podcast. That's what we got yeah. into this for. Open up perspectives and get people to get on, on different platforms and kick them out to as many people as we can. So. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening for yeah. sure. We love you. Alright. <laughs> Until next time, y'all. We're mulling over worlds and you're claiming that you're busy Saying you got a lot on your mind If your blood was on the line You might be inclined to save your skin And if you seem a little helpless We're growing older and we can't be blamed for being selfish Every day's a plot in disguise by a man in the sky